Welcome to Game & Watch, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we're talking about the 1989 Japanese political thriller, Kiki's <laughs> Delivery Service, produced by Studio Ghibli. <laughs> political thriller. Just kidding. Oh, no, man. no. Wouldn't uh, that be, that wouldn't that be something? No, this is the animated fantasy movie, Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, this is our first Ghibli movie we've done in two years. Can you believe it's been two years since we did Porco Rosso? And not to mention two yeah. years since we started this podcast, basically. Well, also, too, we don't really double dip very often, or rather we haven't yet. Um, and except I think in Batman, where we've triple except dipped. Except in Batman, we've <laughs> triple dipped. Um, but I think those are important franchises like uh, Ghibli is very important. Batman is very important. Uh, I just think it's worth noting that this is our second Ghibli joint um, because Ghibli is incredible. It really is. And you might have heard the most uh, cute laugh just now. And that would be our guest, returning guest, my incredible wife, Miranda. Hey. Nepotism returns. Yes. Is the, is the subtitle of this episode. Um, yeah, Miranda, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you are here because, as we'll get into in a moment, uh, you love this film. Deeply. Yes. And also, I live here, so I'm technically always here. Yeah, and you're always here. So <laughs> I couldn't keep you away if I tried. No. Um, really quick before we start, I want to apologize to guest last week, Colin. I did not give him an opportunity to plug his pop podcast, his podcast, called another film podcast we've mentioned it a couple times on this uh podcast before it's a delightful uh podcast about film very very funny and we've had all three of the hosts on as separate guests and and on this show i highly recommend checking it out colin sorry about that no worries also i was just gonna say look forward to sometime in the future there may be like a mega collab with those friends but that's that's a preview for there is yeah there is a plan there is a planned five episode collaboration that we're trying to work on uh a a deeply disturbing bastard child of our both of our podcasts uh hybrid atrocity that a nightmare yeah true a true nightmare born from darkness so look for that yeah so so keep your eyes out for that (laughs) Um, yeah, so let's let's get into our history with the movie. Uh, Miranda, you should start us off. Okay, I'll try not to babble for too long. Um, I don't remember how young I was when I first saw this movie. It's just always been in my life. I wonder how we even came upon it. It was the only Ghibli movie I'd seen for a long, long time. I, I guess my parents must have, or we saw it at a blockbuster maybe and just thought, hey, a little girl witch and a cat sounds up uh, the Sinks daughter's alleys and I think it's it had to be one of the first movies I saw that got me into black cats and now I have a black cat um unless I saw Hocus Pocus first but that I, I don't know that that seems like too scary of a movie to have as like a little little girl but um yeah I I it's still my favorite Ghibli movie because of the long long nostalgia with it of just it's kind of many girls' little dream, little girls' dream of kind of going out on your own, having your little pet that talks back to you, um, having autonomy, having powers. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll keep it there. I think I think talking about it will be much. It'll become clear how how magical this movie is. It really is magical, Aaron. How about you? Uh, I had never seen this before. Uh, This is a Ghibli blind spot for me. 
Um, so I sat down and watched it twice for this episode, um, and I won't get too deeply into my thoughts, um, but there's certainly a girl witch character in the movie and a cat. <laughs> um, no, but I, I will riveting I will, stuff, Aaron. Yeah, will surface <laughs> say that um, it absolutely has that Ghibli charm, um, that Ghibli shine. Uh, it's not a perfect movie, uh, at least to me. Uh, but then again, I'm not seeing it with the same level of nostalgia that Miranda, you are probably. Yeah, I do have. I'm I'm very biased. I will say, like, when you look at lists of, like, top five, top three greatest Ghibli films, like, I will say I've never seen this ranked quite that high. Um, but, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a knock to the movie. Um, I will just say, like, Princess Mononoke or Kiki's Delivery Service, like, eh, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. If you compare those two things, they're mm-hmm. vastly different they're, in yeah, they're a lot of metrics, different. I guess. Yeah. They're very different. And for me, I thought I had maybe seen this when I was a lot younger, but I'm not going to commit to that because I can't remember. So I'm going to treat it as like I saw it for the first time when Rand and I were together. I don't know, maybe four years ago at this point, it may, maybe even maybe even longer. I'm not quite sure, but I've seen it a bunch of times since. And I when I first saw it, I obviously I've I liked it a lot. It has that Ghibli charm without a doubt as Aaron was saying and for that that at a minimum I'm like this I mean there are so we, we talked about this at the Porco Rosso podcast there's really like no bad Ghibli movies except maybe Tales of Mercy um, <laughs> which I fucking very, hate they're very much like like um like Mario games right we talk about that like even a bad Mario game is still like an A minus or like at the worst a B plus right right you could respect the artistry yeah exactly um but I've been on a journey with this. I have. I've been liking it more and more every single time I've watched it. And I feel like I find something new in it. And I've seen it multiple times now in English and multiple times now in Japanese. For reasons I'll get into one in particular, I prefer the Japanese version a lot more. I, I think like the, the that is not to say that the English one is not good. One thing is for sure, for sure, like the English dubs of Ghibli films are very good. And I, I don't think there's been a single one I haven't enjoyed. Um, this most recent time, revisiting it, I and we watched, Miranda and I watched the Japanese one together. Uh, Aaron, you watched the English one, right? Yes. Yep. So we can get into some of those comparisons in a bit, but I, I'm bumping it up to my top tier of Ghibli movies. I absolutely like was kind of like floored in a way that I hadn't been before. I think maybe I had been taking this movie for granted and now I'm kind of approaching it with a different, I I don't know. I I, I'm in like a different mindset. I was in a different mindset when I was watching it this time. I mean, I was taking a lot of notes, so we were pausing it and Miranda and I were talking about it um, as, as it was going on, but there was just something, there's something different that clicked and I'm hoping that I can kind of like figure out what that was through talking about the movie. Because I couldn't, I can't quite put my finger on it right now. Um, let's come back to that because I, I have an idea, but I don't want to jump into it until final summations. Okay. Yeah. If we um, remember, I'll yeah. probably make the point anyway. Well, and so in terms of Ghibli in general, I mean, we've been talking about it's got a lot of that great Ghibli style. Um, what 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 are like some of both of your favorite Ghibli like elements, and it could be like overarching themes. It could be just little like animation details. Like, what does this movie have that appeals to you guys in terms of, like, the greater Ghibli sense? 
Can I go first? Yeah. I love how all, the protagonists are usually young girls that even though I only saw Kiki when I was little, starting to see other ones in high school and older, it it was so great to it I loved watching all the little girl stuff and like really strong, precocious girls who kind of stand up for what they want, um, make mistakes, that kind of thing, are brave in like some realistic kind of ways too. Um I love that there's usually an animal like companion. They don't always talk, but there's always this bond between a protagonist and an animal. I love the moments of looking at like nature or urban beauty, um, the pauses that happen there. And just, I don't know. I wonder how much that affected me growing up. Take, like, I feel like I am the way that these films take those moments to appreciate the way an alley looks or the way people on a busy street look or the water and a bird flying that I, I feel like I've, I appreciate those moments too. You know, I, oh, I really enjoy walking through parks and all of that. And, and you've done that in Japan. Not that this movie takes yeah. place in Japan. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and great music. Um, I don't want to steal all this stuff, but those are my favorite. Also, I love trains. I love when trains are involved in stuff. And I think several of Ghibli movies includes a train at some point. How about you, Aaron? Um, I have three things. Uh, I will echo what you said, Miranda, about the moments of kind of stillness and showing nature and scenery. As I was taking notes for this movie, um, kind of comparing back to back last week, you did Dark Knight Rises and taking notes for that film. It was just so dense. I had to pause constantly. There's so much to, to pack in. Whereas doing these one after the other was kind of nice because this was like such a breath of fresh air because there were so many moments where like there's just quiet. Like there's not people elaborating about plot details and like having this density of character stuff going on. Um, It's just like sweet and beautiful and kind of uh, lets itself pause sometimes, which a lot of Ghibli movies do. Um, The other thing you mentioned, the music, uh, Joe, I'm going to butcher his last name. Hisaishi. Thank you. Joey Saishi, uh, his <laughs> scores in all Ghibli movies, phenomenal. Um, he did some really strange stuff in this one um, compared to some of his other scores. Like it sounded like some of the tunes yeah. were like synth, like video gamey a little bit, um, mm. which I, which I appreciated. I thought some sound kind of like carnival-esque too. A little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then my third point I forgot. So James, go ahead. <laughs> um, you guys touched on a lot of them. I, I'll just I, I mean I can echo the music. I'll mention the music again in a bit. The the kind of just like visuals of like the the coziness of it is is often cited by a lot of Ghibli fans, and I'll I'll echo that as well. But I I always love to see adult like young people doing very adult things in Ghibli movies, especially young women, and. Oftentimes it's even younger than Kiki's age. And so, but like, and and the fact that it's almost, it's weird because like 13 seems so young to me, but by comparison, a lot of the, like, you know, some of the protagonists in Ghibli films are, I think are younger than 13 or maybe around that age. Because when it's a 13 year old, it seems almost, it seems older by comparison to other Ghibli films, which makes it almost like more relatable than I think a 13 year old would normally be. There, this movie, more than any other movie I can think of that involves like 13 year olds, like, it's, you know, is more it's more relatable 
Like th- that was one of the things I picked up more this time than ever before is that Kiki is going through. And I, I don't want to talk too much about this. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a second when we get to the themes of this. But Kiki is going through a life transformation that when you look at a, a bird's eye view of it is not dissimilar from anything that any of us have ever gone through as we've gotten older. And I love to see that. And it is, it's just, it's so relatable and so um, nice to see something that accomplished like this movie accomplishes so much. It, I mean, it's a fantasy film. It has so much heart. It has like a romance but it is really at its core about a girl maturing and growing up in a way that isn't just unique to women. It's like, it's so relatable to everyone to, to, to children or like even younger than 13 who are trying to find themselves to young women at at like at that age or a little bit older and men and, and just really everybody. I, I, I can't imagine looking back on this in 20 years and not f- still feeling like I can relate to it. Yeah. Though I think the romance part is a little debatable. It is. It is. It's It's not. It's so secondary. It's almost non-existent. Yeah. Because um, they could uh, easily just be platonic friends. But there is a little bit of the. You're right. I should Young woman, young boy dynamic. Yeah. A bit, you know, because I think Kiki, you might interpret her, um, her insecurity around like the other girls as like she sees them as like rivals to her with Tombo, but I think it's more it's not even that. It's just yeah. she wants to be beautiful. She wants to be, you know, they're I think they're clearly a little older than her too. Yeah. Um you're right. Yeah. I, and I shouldn't have characterized that as a romance. It, it no, is no, it is no. no but no it's very it is very debatable. And I think that it almost maybe does it a disservice to to kind of label it as such. Because it it's it's more a little more nuanced than that. And it's not as it's not like blatantly in romance. Yeah. yeah. Um, James, something you said uh, about, you know, watching this movie 20 years from now, uh, that made me think in terms of Studio Ghibli stuff. Like, oh, yeah. I think what makes Ghibli so timeless, because they are timeless, like you'll be able to watch this in 20 years and appreciate it, as you Truly. said, even more than today. I don't know that there's a single Ghibli film that I can think of that, like, takes place fully in, like, the quote unquote present day. Yeah. There's always this, like, detachment in time with Ghibli films that make them feel like even more magical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I was thinking that I had gotten about why I love Ghibli movies is um, along with the visuals, there's just such a density of these little details that don't need to be in there, but are, and yeah. just are delightful. Like for example, um, near the end of the movie, I think it's Ursula gives her some candy when yeah. they're on the bus. And any other movie, a piece of candy would have popped out. She would have popped in her mouth, right? But it's a Studio Ghibli movie. So three candies pop out and she like yeah. juggles them and clutches one and puts it in her mouth. There's no need for that. It's extra animation. You didn't need to do yes. that. But it's yeah. just, it. or when she comes home and um, Osono tells her that oh. she has delivery. She runs, puts the groceries on the table, runs out. The bag tips over, like a couple things drop out. Didn't need yes. to have that. She yeah. could have just put the bags on the table and ran out. It's just all those tiny little unnecessary things that add so much like joy and charm to the movie and immersion too. Oh my like you almost want yes. it makes you feel like you want to be there even more. And I remember Aaron, you made that exact yes. same point to the lemonade in Porco Rosso. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, oh yeah. That's something I forgot to say that like food is given like such 
and drinks are just you're just like you want to sit there and you want to you want to drink tea with them hot chocolate with them coffee with them yeah i want that oatmeal you want to eat I want, yeah, I want yeah. to live above a bakery. Like, I could feel like I could smell the bread when I watch it. Like, I, I wanted bread. I don't often just sit there and think, man, I, I want, either. I could go for some bread right now. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted oatmeal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. And I, I just, that's another favorite part. Um, that should have been one of my favorite, favorite co- yeah. constants and Ghibli's that I should have said earlier. But I also, I love feeling like I'm seeing what, um, Miyazaki loves in his films like he seems to have this real passion for like flying machines oh yeah and water water machines I guess you have the boats and stuff that um and he must have an interest with like trains too like on top of like art and and kind of exploring how different different hobbies or jobs or professions I mean crafts are all 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 artistry or crafts and I yeah. really appreciate that like we're all we're all kind of artists there's definitely a lot of that in here and i can get into a little bit more about that in a bit but yeah i think in it like is it similarly to that miyazaki has like a great passion for mankind using innovation and artistry to overcome challenges in addition to fulfilling their own kind of creative desires which oh. i think is like super evident here very evident in a lot of other films. I feel like The Wind Rises was one of like the biggest examples of that. Almost like so bluntly. This was like, it's almost like Miyazaki's like enough fucking around. This is the film that I've been trying to make for so long, even though it kind of, it doesn't have like the childlike innocence in it that you find in other ones. But anyway, maybe we'll do that yeah. as an episode eventually. But let's talk about the development really quick. So as we mentioned, this is written, directed and produced by Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, a true master. Uh, The score composed by Joe Hisaishi, and it is based on the novel Witches Express Home Delivery by Aiko Kadono. I might mess that up. Um, So what's interesting about that novel is apparently it wasn't... this the, The film version is very different than the novel, and it sounds like it was kind of improved on in in many different ways. So Miyazaki was very busy with making My Neighbor Totoro when the time came to make this movie and so a different director was selected but eventually he became so involved in the production and doing rewrites and writing it himself that he decided to just direct it himself and i'm not surprised by that at all because i think that i i there's i'll get into this in a little bit that this is like so much more miyazaki than i ever imagined i feel like the first time i saw it i was like oh there's a plane and there's flying miyazaki but like there's so many more themes that he just absolutely seems to to love. And so he was he was like super interested in this. And he, you know, he and his uh his upper staff went to Stockholm and the Swedish island of Gotland to research locations. I would not have thought that maybe Stockholm or just Sweden in general would have been an influence for this, but I've never been. So I I I don't know. But without a doubt, there was a very European feel to this movie. There's a little bit more of like a Japanese feel to, I think maybe like Kiki's the countryside that Kiki comes from and a little bit, it's like, there's a little bit of peppered like Japanese style in the town, but the town is like very European. And anyway, so Miyazaki was kind of unhappy with the first draft of the screenplay and did some rewrites, as I mentioned. And there are a lot of dramatic moments that he added that were not in the novel. Apparently the novel was more of like an episodic, like, Kiki does a delivery and learns a lesson like, you know, it's it's not as like 
there there is there aren't as many like dramatic stakes not that the stakes in this film are like well they seem small but they're really not because they're about self you know doubt and confidence and and self-growth and the author was initially pretty upset at the changes from the novel so they like invited i think they invited him to the studio to see what they were doing and he kind of changed his mind and he but like they were worried that almost like they weren't gonna be able to make the movie because he was upset or if, or she i don't know if i a boy or girl's name i'm very sorry i feel like if hayao miyazaki chooses your book to make a movie out of like you don't get to complain about anything you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like, but think about it at the time i mean this was a woman so, okay. Oh, okay okay um totoro had kind of just come out i think I don't know if Miyazaki was a, as like a true legend yet. True. Like when they were making true. this film, like it probably wasn't very long after Totoro. And at that point he had just, I think he had done Nausicaa, Castle in the Sky and um, Lupin the Third. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he had the kind of credibility yet, but maybe I I, I don't know. Anyway. So this I do film, have a, I have a tangent oh, related to like an author. Sure. Comparing to the director, the author of Howl's Moving Castle, I know she loved what they how they portrayed the moving castle in the movie. Like she's like, I never thought to give it feet or like the mechanical kind of vibe to it. Oh. I haven't read the book yet. I always mean to. Um, apparently, it explains some things a little better uh, than the movie did. But I, I love I love hearing that kind of stuff where the author respects the artistry that the movie took it. Yeah. So this film was released in 1989 in Japan. There was an English dub release in 1990 in the U.S. And then almost 10 years after that, Walt Disney Pictures produced an English dub, which premiered in 1998. That's the one that you guys watched. But there were some changes slightly. Um, They kept the voice cast, but they made some. This movie's gone through a little bit of changes on the English side. So the 1998 version did some changes to the score. There was a different composer that was brought in. The opening and closing songs were different. They were not like the ones that are in Japanese as they are in the ones that you guys watched, I think. And, uh, you know, or the ones that you guys, well, that Aaron watched and that you prefer, Miranda. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the, the film was re-released in 2010, Disney put those original songs back in and made other changes, including like getting rid of some of like Gigi's lines and I, there were so Gigi is a whole like particular thing. I don't want to talk too, too long about it, but I'll just say right now that, and Miranda knows this already. I do not like Phil Hartman as Gigi and it doesn't work for me at we disagree all on it. Yeah. We, we, we strongly disagree on that. I, I don't like it. I like Gigi as like a cute, uh, like high pitched voice kind of cat. I don't like Gigi as like Troy McClure, like cynical Troy McClure. You know, I don't think he's I don't think he's quite at Troy McClure level. No, I know. But, he's, not. Yeah. he's not. I, I it just doesn't it, it kind of takes me out of the movie. It, 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 and so there's like a different kind of personality that Gigi has in the English one. There is a there is a more like cynical and sarcastic nature to Gigi as opposed to a little bit more like almost like kiki's like conscience in some ways at sometimes um in in the japanese one not to say that Gigi isn't that in the english one it's just i think it's more evident in the japanese version and we'll talk about like this through the plot too but there is a point where uh, uh, kiki's ability to talk with Gigi is something that changes throughout the movie and and correct me if I'm wrong, both of you, but does is Kiki able to talk to 
does Gigi have any lines at the end of the movie? I think in which does. version? In the English one. In the English one, he yells Kiki. Yeah. Whereas so it kind of yeah, it's implied that like she can hear him or like because you can hear his voice again. You think Kiki can too, right? And if you can't, and if if you're meant to not. If Kiki is still actually unable to hear Gigi, that's a little misleading for the audience to be able to hear Gigi. Yeah. But in the Japanese version, yeah. Aaron, you Gigi does not speak again. You only hear Gigi meow at the end. So, yeah, I, I have some Gigi thoughts. Um, this can be minor Gigi corner, but I also did not care for Phil Hartman as the voice of Gigi. Phil Hartman is a treasure. I adore Phil Hartman. I love him in a million other things. Like Jingle All the Way. That wife sure. stealer. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Or news radio. The no, news radio. Yeah, no I know. You, you love news radio. I know. I was just, I was trying to, yeah. to put words in your mouth and take it away from news radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone should watch news radio. No. Um, but there's just something about like his tone. Like it's a little too like, um, <laughs> and it, it just, there's something about it that doesn't quite work. Um, but I think that him being able to talk to her at the end makes more sense than not. Because why would she have lost that? We'll get to it at the end, but like I don't understand the lore reason why she oh, would have lost. Let's that. let's get to it now, actually. Yeah. Um, before I say that, not to gloss over reception, but this movie has been was and has basically always been very highly regarded. Not always in part of like people's top Ghibli, but I think they should reevaluate that shit because I think this movie's better than Spirited Away, and not just because Spirited Away is sad. And this movie it's is so not. sad. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like I for a long time, I think I'm a little more chill. But if you prefer Spirited Away above all other Ghibli movies, I'm like you are a depressing creature. Yeah. <laughs> not above all others. No, no, no. I do. There, I mean, we'll do Spirited Away pod event maybe eventually. But like Spirited Away has a lot of incredible like imaginative ideas. Yeah. And you know, let's leave it at that. So this movie is a, in a large part about maturity and growing up about adapting to a changing world but not losing sight of like the past world the way the world was but more importantly who you used to be it is as i mentioned also much about like kind of people being very vulnerable in their confidence like confidence being shaken self-doubt and trying to find confidence and skills in a changing world that's kind of high level and then I'll, when I, I talk about maturity, I'll, I'll dive into how that applies to Gigi. But I just think I want to get out of this, get in front of this now in case I forget to talk about it later. I just think this is a truly an incredible story about getting older, like from child to young adult. But it's not limited to that. Like it can really apply to any human being going through a change in their life in their life and being afraid of change and especially change that you cannot control. Like Kiki she ex exerts control over leaving home. She ex is excited about that. She, it gives her more confidence to do it. She, she leaves like almost fearlessly. But then the world throws her some obstacles and her confidence is shaken. And man, if that isn't just like what we all go through all the time, like she feels she feels so lonely and lost without direction at many different times during the film and kind of like dismayed at things not going the way she planned, not things not turning out exactly the way that she planned. And she finds ways to navigate those moments without losing who she is, even though she, maybe she does momentarily. And 
also not kind of without losing her childlike wonder. And, and I'm and like when I say childlike wonder, I'm I'm go- talking about even the details of like apologizing to animals, right? And talking to animals, sort so to speak. Like she has this playfulness and adventure that helps keep someone young, and that's what life is. And she's learning all these things at such a young age. But one of that's also part of like what makes this movie and many many Ghibli movies like totally timeless and applicable to like people of all different kinds of ages, and. As I mentioned, this is yet another Miyazaki movie showing children kind of being wise beyond their years or just children beyond their years. And it's probably why he was so drawn to this story, because he is, you know, as an aging artist who clearly by his output of films has not lost his inner child. And I mean, these are the types of stories he likes to tell. And I just, you know, it's it's just incredible to me that. All of this is then just a movie about a young woman who leaves home to be a trainee witch. Like, I feel like you you could have 20 of the best directors out there right now try to incorporate similar themes in a G-rated movie for kids, and maybe one of them of those 20 succeeds. But it still wouldn't be to the level that this film is. And this that's why this is, like, so singular to me. There's That's kind of like my... Uh, I just wanted to make sure I said that's all so, that. That's also well said. I do want to add that Gigi, uh, that Kiki struggles with people being different than she expects them to be. Like when she goes to the city, the new city, people are a little colder. It's like it's too, it's really big. Um, people don't have the same respect sometimes. But then, but then she finds kind people too. Um, yeah, I think it's like shattered expectations, um, in yeah. both good and bad ways. And with regard to the people she encounters, I think a similarity to many other Ghibli films is that definitely in this film, there's like no villain character. There's no like clear villain. And many yeah. Ghibli films, like if there is a villainous character, like they're given a lot of um, more sympathy shown than you would in most other films. But I yeah. think it's I think it's to this film's credit that for a movie aimed at smaller children, like there's not just a big bad villain that serves as a foil to Kiki that she learns all her lessons off of. Mm-hmm. Like it feels much more yeah. lived in and there's yes. not villains. There are people who are maybe not on Kiki's side or right. maybe not being the nicest to Kiki, but yeah. that feels like real and lived in. It's not like there's a cackling bad guy. Um, that's kind of, that's a great point. That's such a great point. The lack of a villain is so, it's such a smart decision like if there's a the closest mm-hmm. thing to a villain is uncertainty and just yeah. life's the uncertainties of life and man or those snobby bitchy girls <laughs> or yeah. Those, yeah and <laughs> or that just, snobby yeah, bitch struggle. cat yeah 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 just yeah her 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 own struggle with self confidence yeah yeah so before we get into the plot of the movie Aaron the wait, thing I want oh yeah. I don't think I, this whole thing started with talking about Gigi. And I, I was him. just about to circle back yeah. to okay. that. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things that it has been said that Gigi represents, and I think Miyazaki even said this himself, is that Gigi mm-hmm. represents some of the immaturity of Kiki. And I think that that's, that's kind of like a little dramatic. I, I don't quite like, if, if that is what he said, if you put it that way, I don't totally like the way that's phrased. Because I don't think it's like immature. Like you need to, it's, it's just like, saying like you have to stop talking to animals when you get older i think we'll talk you talk yeah. like i talk to our cat and obviously can't, can't, ta- can't, talk, can't talk back but like it, there's that kind of like <laughs> it, it's fun and it, and it like it almost like keeps me young but yeah. 
Keep if he the, meant like, like the childhood, like just something about representing childhood, not necessarily yeah. immaturity in a right. negative connotation. But the intent from Miyazaki was that she was going supposed to be unable to understand Gigi at a certain point, and that represents her growing up and her maturity. And Gigi not talking again was supposed to imply that Kiki will never be able to understand Gigi again because she has now kind of become a woman in a way or just grown up to a certain degree. That makes sense to me from like a them thematic perspective. But again, mm -hmm. I think like from a canonical lore perspective, I it doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. And okay. those are different values, right? Which one you value more. Um, yeah, I but I would say in general, one of my, not to preview too much, but one of my nitpicks with this movie is like, I think all of the lore stuff about being a witch and witch training and all that stuff is mismanaged and not handled well and is kind of a waste. It's I see it as intentionally secondary. It's, it's, um, it's dressing. I don't think that that is what is supposed to be important about this movie. It just, it, I, I guess for a film about a witch leaving to train for a year she does no training <laughs> like it's just it just <laughs> well, seems not very that central to being like, a witch i i know i just again like from the from the lore perspective of like okay the whole time i was watching the movie i was like is she going to use magic is she going to do any training of any kind whatsoever and the answer to both those questions is no now yeah. i disagree about the, i disagree about the training i think it sets its expectations high yeah, I think it's set an expectation for someone as yourself who is really engaged with like the fantasy genre that like it means something that Yeah. I, I think I, maybe the script writing just meant like when you kick a baby bird out of the nest, like just do it. Like I think, just go hunt, feed yourself, find somewhere to be by. Yeah, I think I was more taking a look at it like an anime training arc where she was going to like meditate under waterfalls and like practice her Rasengan <laughs> and stuff. Um, you're right. It is, it is true. I mean, it's life training, right? Like that's what she's having is like life training. That's like the big, big picture idea. Um, yeah. I just wish like you would see her brew a potion once, but ah, I know okay. she really just does flying. I uh, know. And then when try the, anything else, we'll get to it when she talks to the other witch, but she's like, Oh, this is my talent. And Kiki later at one point in the movie was like, well, all I can do is fly. And it's like, every witch can fly. That's that not That is true. <laughs> that I did have oh, a note no. on that too. Yeah. yeah I, I, I thought that that was, that was interesting. I feel like it makes her more relatable because sometimes you feel like, what can I do? I don't know. I can. Yes. I also agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I understand exactly what you're saying, Aaron. I just don't. I don't. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't bother me really in the slightest. Yeah, um, it I, I completely. Me, you're right. You're right about the whole. It's it's weak. I mean, I, I absolutely 100% see your guys's perspective too. I think this is just an interesting tension between like theme and like lore or canon. I guess I don't know how you would phrase it. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's get into the plot. Yeah. So the movie opens with Kiki lying on the grass, listening to a weather forecast on the radio. And the forecast mentions that there will be a full moon that night. She gets up, runs back to her house. We get a glimpse of like the nice countryside that she lives in. It's kind of a little reminiscent of Totoro, even though Totoro is very like unmistakably Japanese like in Japan. Mm -hmm. And this is a little bit more ambiguous, I'd say. Um, She runs back to her Hmm? I think it's like a mix of like Swedish and like English cottage kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Or like I mean, Dutch yeah. colonial. And speaking like, of cottage. 
I was just yeah. going to say, I like how you can see the influences, like we're mentioning, but it's entirely its own thing, kind of. Yes. yes. Yeah. She gets up and like, she gets, runs back to her house. And so this house is just such a awesome looking house. Like, you know, it, it is, it's like a, I mean, Miranda probably could do it justice better than me, but it's like a house with almost like a greenhouse, like portion sticking out, not a separate greenhouse, but like almost like a greenhouse room in the yeah. front or to the side. And there's like a lot of moss and vines growing on like a large portion of the house. It just look, I mean, it might be a nightmare to maintain um, a lot of that uh, plant stuff, but yeah. uh, it's Which beautiful. I bet mom is great at doing because she needs all those herbs and plants well yeah. and it's it's the kind of home you could imagine a witch living in right yes. and yeah. so aaron probably likes this part because this is when witch stuff actually happens mm -hmm. sort of. oh she's brewing <laughs> potions she's going yeah. for it she so, fixes a broken a broken uh -huh. a beaker tube yes. or whatever yeah so yeah Gigi approaches her mom and her grandmother mom's like making potions and Kiki mentions that she's going to leave. It's not a grandmother it's not a grandmother no, no it's not it's, it's it's a townsperson oh yeah. shoot i'm sorry Oh, man, I like completely forgot about that. Thank you. Um, so she explains that she's going to leave that night because it is a full moon. And the mom explains that, you know, kind of to the audience, really, that a 13, a young trainee witch leaves home and finds a town to work in um, to kind of learn her witchcraft, um, you know, like flying. Right. <laughs> Uh, the mother tells the the townsperson that she is kind of like wondering who will make potions and medicine when she's gone. Uh, when the that's mom the Japanese gone. version. That is okay. What? So yeah. So I, I mentioned that we Miranda and I watched the Japanese version, and Aaron watched the English dub, and Miranda prefers the English dub. So let's call out some of the differences when we see them. I, and yeah. I thought this part was really interesting because in the English version, the mom laments that she didn't have time to teach. Kiki yes. medicines, which part of me is like, how can you not have time if you're doing it every day? You just make Kiki sit there and help. Right. But then in the Japanese version, at least with the English translation, she says that she, who's going to do it when I'm gone? Who's going to make medicine for for people? Um, where in the English version, she just, yeah, she says she feels bad. She didn't teach her. And then the old woman jokes like, oh, I wish you can teach her how to fix my rheumatism or, you know, treat my rheumatism. But, you know, things change and your kid's going to be different. Um, well, that makes me wonder. Dynamic. Yeah, that makes me wonder something again about like witch talents. I wonder if in the original Japanese, it was more clear that like each witch gets a talent and you kind of mm. only have one. Like the mom couldn't teach Kiki potions because potions is her talent. Like I he doesn't know. have that talent. Maybe I don't know if that. I don't yeah. think that comes through in the Japanese version. I'm not sure if that's like a thing to take away, but maybe. Yeah, I think I, just, I think it. It kind of trying to explain the, the flying version. thing. I just really here's what I want. I want like my fan fiction is a deep dive into the like mechanics of witches and like magic and witchcraft in this world. I've got a. I know one. that's. I know that's kind of missing the point of the big picture themes of the film, but I just want it all explained. I know what you, I think what would also satisfy you is a, is like a pod racing, like witch race where yes. it shows that Kiki <laughs> actually is way better at flying than everyone else, even yeah, though it's maybe, very evident that she's but, not. But I, I kind of like the idea that Kiki's like average that like, yeah. she doesn't have, she doesn't have three great skills of like great flying, confident flying like that confident, witch she runs into um who also does fortune telling 
And I think in the Japanese, at least again, the English translation, it says something like, she's like, my skill is, um, is fortune telling as if it's like singular. And I think that comes across in the English version as well. Yeah, she she says she like says my talent, my talent. Yeah, which means like that she just shines in that. It, it see, it just I don't know how much we can like pick apart translations versus like English rewriting. Um, I I don't think this whole like special skill stuff that we'll mention in a second, like where that first comes up, is like meant to be given much thought. I think that's just someone being I, like, it way too much. I just think it's supposed <laughs> to be just like a, Hey, like you're, you know, you need to try to like do what you're good at. It's not like, you're. Yeah. I don't think there's a literal, like you're good at like one thing. So find out what that one thing is. It's just like, I don't know. There are, things, comforting. there are things that I'm good at that I don't think are ways to make a living. I'm better at them than I am at other things in my life. Like including the things I do to make a living. Like, I can't, I have a lot of, like, knowledge about film. I can't put, like, any of that to use <laughs> to make money. Not really. Yeah. Until or we like, start monetizing I this podcast. Think, I do think this movie overall kind of encourages, maybe, like, young people when, like, when you're young. Like, imagine watching this as a 10-year-old. And you you enjoy drawing. But, like, you're there's no, like, you, you can't really know for sure if you're going to become a famous, like, cartoonist or, uh, like, that you can be an artist full time. But as long as you enjoy doing it, like keep doing it, like you kind of muddle through your hobbies. Like I, don't, I just kind of encourages kids to like try and not worry about being perfect as they do it. Like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely agree. So this is kind of one of the first times that she talks to Gigi, her cat, her black cat, as we mentioned. Um, Gigi mentions, I don't know if this was in the English one, that kind of mentions that once Kiki leaves, she can't come back. Which is, if that is a direct translation, I'll mention in a second. There, there is a yeah. There is a there are a couple lines in the Japanese, or at least in the subtitles of the Japanese version that we watched on HBO Max or Max that I think are inaccurate. Because well, I'll I'll mention one of them in a second. So I don't I don't know. Uh, that's another reason why I wish I spoke Japanese, and I understood more. Oh, really? So. So Kiki goes, you know, is in her room getting changed. She kind of puts on this like classic signature outfit that she wears basically for the rest of the of the film. It's this black dress with a red bow in her hair that Miranda has in her hair right now. Yeah, which we, we cannot see. Yes, yeah. which I got for our Halloween costume last yeah. year. Was that just last year? Yeah, just last we year. We were Tombo and Kiki. And cheese was Gigi. And cheese was Gigi. Yeah. But cheese isn't black. Cheese yes, is black. Is. Oh, I thought cheese was orange because his name was cheese. Her. 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 She's a black I'm, cat. I'm misgendering and miscoloring the cat. You know, yeah. you're excused. She's a black cat. Literally everybody misgenders cheese. Like I don't know why. I don't understand it. Um, uh, yeah, no, because she, she's, she's a bitch. cheese because she has yellow eyes. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. And she likes eating cheese. That's yeah. that's her lore that they yeah. found her outside of a pizza parlor. Yeah, that's great cat lore. That's great yeah. cat corner. And she does <laughs> like cheese. Corner. She loves cream cheese. She loves um, any any cheese. Yeah, form. So uh, Kiki's talking to her mom. Her mom kind of comments that you know what's important in life is to have a good heart, and that and tells Kiki to follow hers. And her dad is in there or comes in there as well, and his dad kind of like her dad is really like almost made me a little emotional 
there's just like a one line where the dad was just like Kiki looks just like her mom used to. And he's clearly just like it says so much like, you know, watching this as a kid versus watching it as an adult, I'm imagining is, is different in many ways. And one of the ways is like, he, I'm, you know, Kiki is Kiki's dad is like, you know, they grow, kind of like they grow up so fast and like Kiki asked to be lifted up by her dad like he used to, which is obviously older and heavier. And, he, you know, it's not like he struggles, but it's like he comments on how she's grown up and you kind of see that and you're just like, man, like. This, already the movie is just like how kids grow up so fast it's a great coming of age yeah. type story and I, I like I like that we very quickly see this like dichotomy in Kiki of wanting to be grown up but also still wanting to be little and treated yeah like, she she jumps back and forth as I think any like young like young person maybe like first before puberty of like your you want to be treated as a kid and you want to be like loved and do the fun stuff but then you also want to be given the respect and autonomy of an older older person um and she also like I think she goes back and forth with like embracing tradition and wanting to be more modern like I think any like little like many little girls want to do of like oh you know this is how you know a boy should treat me or this is you know I want to go out when I'm 13 um on my thing just like a witch's but then she kind of doesn't want to wear like the boring witch dress she would like to wear something that's cuter um so i like i like that if if that feels relatable as well yeah yeah i think thematically too like uh the fact that the first time we see her quote-unquote flying it's being held in her dad's arms right yeah oh yeah yeah the first time we see her flying and then later she does not her own yeah that's also i love i love the dad i do think he comes off a little dorkier in the English version with like the English dub because of the voice actor like adds some more like ah like even though like in both versions he trips on the rope from the car um of like the, the camping stuff but like in the in the Japanese audio we watched um he doesn't go like ah which is such a small thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. I always get like sad, like Kiki, how do you just, dis- why would you disappoint your dad? You said you would go camping with him. Well, also that's what I was wondering if she's never allowed back. He's awfully like chill about it. That's it's not, like- no, no, he's not. He's, she's allowed back because he says, if it doesn't work out, you can come home. And this is another difference between the Japanese translate, the English translation versus the English dub that she, in the English translation, of the Japanese she says and come back to my old room gross or like when sticks out her tongue but in the in the dub she says and come back a failure, failure. no yeah. and that's like that's actually I think damn that's heavy again, it's it's so much heavier that she really she's taking this journey a little bit like very like very seriously versus the 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 English yeah. audio it's more like appearances maybe like just like I feel like that's too intense. I think the dub is too intense in that way. Like her saying that she's coming back a failure. I don't think they've done enough to establish that this is like so monumentally a big deal. Like this seems like just like a part of life. It's not like a, okay, it's, it's not like a a big test that she has to pass or she will never become a witch. I don't know. I don't view it like that. I view it as like not low stakes, but not so high of stakes where the failure comment is like, meaningful uh, maybe she yeah maybe she's just more intense in yeah, the English. She's hard, well, she's hard on herself i mean and that's the thing those are the stakes that she's setting for herself perhaps yeah so that night 
This is like when Kiki leaves. Uh, and I really like the sequence between her and her, basically her leaving and then making yeah. her way to the city is like one of my favorite parts of the movie. So it's nighttime and and people, the kind of the townsfolk have gathered outside the house to see her off, some of her friends and some adults. Her mom does not want Kiki to take the broom that Kiki has and offers her another one. Kiki doesn't really want it. Ask Gigi what, what he thinks. And he comments that her mom's broom is better. And he then says, or she calls him a traitor. So here's one of the things about the English translation uh, the subtitles that I think is entirely wrong. The old woman then comments, he's right. Like, and then says like, your mom, you know, so couldn't excited. you just make another broom? And it's like, implies if she can hear Gigi. And I listened to it over and over and over again. Uh, and I reached out to a friend of the podcast, Jason, who speaks Japanese. And I think we kind of concluded that that's the mistranslation. The rest of the line is right. Um, what she says, but the he's right is kind of, I think is wrong. Um, it makes no sense why this woman would be able to hear Gigi. And that's not the only reason I think it's wrong. I just think it's wrong because I think some of the other parts of this translation were a little bit wrong. Are you saying like there's no indication that the, like the pronoun he was used? Correct. I, I, yeah, I don't think I don't think that pronoun appears at all in the in the, mm -hmm. in the Japanese audio. So but there's there might be an, there could be an implication by essentially like her agreeing. But she could also just be agreeing with the mom, not Gigi. I agree. Yeah. So they the same thing, essentially. So anyway, so Kiki takes off. And I love how she's kind of flies away. Like she's just like sloppy. Like she hits some trees and stuff. And that's not the first time that she struggles flying. Uh, but I, I love that. Yeah. It's just like, you know, immediately you set off on your journey and things are not always going to be smooth, smooth. You know, like I, if she had just taken off and she made it to the city without a hitch, I think that would be a misrepresentation of what this film is trying to convey. Yeah. So, so the credits start rolling. We get like a delightful song. I forgot what it's called. Um, but there is a shot of like Kiki, you know, flying below an airplane. There was a Miyazaki airplane love right there. I love how like the radio is strapped and hanging from the broom. And I love how it's just like yes. when she delivers things later. Like all those things are just like hanging from the broom. Um, at a certain it. point, you'd wonder how, you know, maybe magic keeps that thing up because it doesn't seem like, especially when she has like a heavy package. Can she please or get a basket Gigi. for that thing? I know, right? Yeah, or just and a I, basket for Gigi. Yeah, yeah right? Gigi got it wrong. How does he stay on his stick? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, she flies over a smoky factory. I thought that was really interesting and thought that maybe that is like a hint that like the real world is not all pretty. Um, mm. And that like the beautiful countryside that she grew up in is like, you know, not all that life is. It's not all like beautiful country. Um, that there are some things out there that you're going to have to deal with. Um, so Gigi points out another witch, Kiki greets her. Um, this witch and her cat are both snooty as hell. Uh, mm -hmm. The other girl says that, you know, that she already has a in town. the English version, I think. Less so in the in the in the Japanese one, for sure. Yeah. The, the other girl says that she already has a town, kind of warns Kiki that things can go wrong when you get settled. Um, but in a mean way. Yeah, she's it's like she's like, trying to scare her. Yeah, she's like. And this town, yeah, it looks big to you, maybe. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, things could go hard, go wrong if you're not good, great at. If you don't have like a like me, right? If you don't have like a special talent, and Kiki worries that she doesn't have one. Um. Yeah. So it then starts raining. Kiki flies down to a stopped train and lands in an open car that's full of hay, and they decide to sleep there until the storm is gone. But the train starts moving. Um, which at first, like when I first saw this movie, I thought that was going to be like, she ends up so far away and the movie was going to be about her being lost and having to like make her way home, but while also doing deliveries. I don't know the train, like moving while she was in it. I just thought like, oop, the stakes are <laughs> being raised, but not really. Um, 
the next morning, Kiki's woken up by cows licking her feet as they eat the hay. Um, I mentioned that Kiki apologizes to animals. I love how she apologizes to the cows for sleeping in their breakfast. Very cute. I would do that too. So you, you absolutely would. I <laughs> did not realize that this was a thing that could happen, that that's how they feed cows and train cars. How do you feel um, about it? I feel great about it. And now I desperately want to do it in real life. <laughs> could you sleep, sleep on in the- hay? Yeah, Did you sleep, sleep in on hay? a train car and then get woken up by cows licking my feet. Oh, that's a very specific <laughs> thing to like put on your bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. I like to hang out with cows, but not not in hay. Yeah, I don't want to be on hay. Hay, so hay hurts. Yeah. Hay is not comfortable. So she goes outside of the car and she can see the ocean and a city in the distance, which excites her a lot. And so her arriving at this city is, I mentioned that this whole thing is probably my favorite sequence of the film. This in particular is because... The, 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 the song that starts playing during this part is one of my favorite compositions in film ever, along with like wow. Ecstasy of Gold and Good and Bad and the Ugly. The song is called A Town with, with an Ocean View. And it is I just think it is such a beautiful, beautiful song. It like gave me goosebumps and almost made me like tear up just hearing it um, this time. I mean, it has before, but like especially this time. I was in a weird emotional place when I watched this movie. I don't know why, despite the fact that I was distracted by taking notes at times. But anyway, <laughs> the city that she sees is the port city of Corico. And she, you know, approaches the town. She's like marveling at it. She calls it a town floating on water. Uh, I love that that's like a, kind of like a childlike, you know, way of looking at it. And Gigi, you know, wonders if witches are already there. Kiki doesn't seem very worried about it. I think I find it interesting that like if your witch is already there, then you just can't go there. You can't have two witches. Some Again. Witch, witch code. That's some witch lore right there, Aaron. You don't witch need more lore. explanation. Witch lore. You need more than that? I uh, don't. Um, I wonder what the book says. Yeah. So she that, flies I about. Mean, that, sorry. That's, that's the real answer is I should just read the book. But Maybe. I hear it's very different, but I'd be curious to see what you think. Um, so she flies about around the town, um, sees how populous it is. It is really different than the country life that she's used to. But she seems very, like, more interested and, like, excited than she does scared. Um, you know, she sees the town square, like a clock tower, a farmer's market. A lot of the streets look like San Francisco, but I say that having not been to very many European towns. So maybe this is very European. Um, she asks a man in the clock tower if there are any other witches there. He says no. She kind of flies lower, uh, almost crashes into people in cars. One of, again, uh, yet another time of many times that she kind of like has struggles with her flying. Um, and again, like I, I made a note that her flying is kind of like a, another representation of like the rockiness of, of, you know, the experience trying to become adult, an adult and kind of, you know, not everything's going to go smoothly. Right. Well, and two, it does go smoothly at first, right? She's, yeah. she's feeling it, feeling herself on the broom. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, she is. Well, yeah. yeah. A bus comes out of nowhere. Well, that's right. And a bus comes out of nowhere. And that's when she kind of like loses her confidence and like these problems start. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, she, I love how she like lands. And she like starts politely asking random townspeople if she has permission to live there as if like the random townspeople are in control. Like, have yeah, the like it's like she's, she thinks she's talking to like a town, like a, right. like a town leader. She can be directed to the town leader. Or it's just like a kid's like from a kid's perspective, like all adults are like authority people. So it's like you yeah. almost like look at them all like they're your parents in a way. Though I think she she shirks. She, she's so polite. She she is such 
like she is so respectful to people but I think she like there's examples of her shirking authority because you know she she does what she want with her parents she takes the radio she goes she doesn't stand by going camping with her dad and then when the cop says to stay she pieces out like I think I would be too afraid to leave even if I didn't really want to be in trouble yeah so I respect her I respect her and talking about the cop can we talk about how he when he runs up to her he has his baton out like yeah. he was ready ready to, to beat her. her I did not notice that yeah yeah even in Ghibli films police always ready for violence yeah. unnecessary yeah. violence um Miyazaki's so, anti-police yeah um, maybe I don't know I have to think about well, it so like the fact that she almost got hit by a bus and she's like causing a commotion that's why the cop approaches her and you know she mentions she's a minor and he's like he has to tell her parents about like how reckless she's being um but somebody yells thief nearby which draws the, the cop's attention away so she just like pieces out and as she's walking down the street a boy Tombo rides his bike next to her and starts kind of like throwing a barrage of questions at her He's like super excited and interested in like who she is. And like, you know, he's like, I'm the one who yelled thief. Um, And he's just asking her questions. I think like about like he wants to like see her broom or something like that. And these nearby boys start teasing him for chasing girls. And she politely tells him to leave, uh, but then also says he's being very rude um, because yeah, he hasn't introduced like himself. Yeah, that's yeah. True. she's, so very she's being old fashioned. Yeah. It's like you haven't introduced yourself. Like, why are you talking to me? Aaron, what well, do you think about him saying Miss Switch? I, I, I was, adore it. I love Miss Switch, and I was going to ask, what does he call her in the Japanese? Uh, is it the equivalent, or is was, it something was it, different? He either says Miss Witch, or he doesn't have a nickname for her. He says Miss Switch very, very rarely, and like at least with the English translation written out. Like, feel, it's on I a letter. Like... It's on the invite that he gives her later. Yeah. And he says it, like, one or two times. But, yeah, I really wonder if... Because he calls her Miss Witch if... frequently in English. Super free. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love Miss Witch. Um, I also just like how relatable this moment is because you can tell she's upset for a number of reasons. But mainly, like, the sense that it got from her is she's just embarrassed. Like yeah. she just got into town and all this stuff is going wrong and like she doesn't want to talk to anyone she doesn't right want to now. talk to a hyperactive boy no. yeah 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 but he doesn't know he's i mean I, I love how like innocent he innocently he's just like questioning her i mean he's like a kid he doesn't yeah. know manners really it's not That's that he's sweet. being super rude she's just being very old-fashioned um yeah. and he and still tries to follow her and she flies away anyway and he's just like what a cool witch what you said earlier, I know he like he's unfazed. Like anytime she's like she's mean to him, I think like he's smitten kind of often. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like she's so cool. I'm gonna be her friend. Um, James, what you said earlier about when you when you said about how the dad knew how the mom looked when she was younger, it kind of I think it kind of feeds a little bit more into your your instinct to call this like a romance that like there might be some parallel there of like the dad also is this like dorky guy who fell in love with glasses who like sees sees her arrive and is like yeah smitten in like whatever way of either just a childlike friendship kind of way that eventually grew or i didn't think about um, that yeah you might be right so now yeah you made me think of that just by saying that and Mm -hmm. i kind of like thinking about that i like that it's it's a it's a cool synchronicity i i think that Yeah. yeah yeah So Kiki goes to a hotel. Um, they will not let her stay there without an ID or parents present. So she, you know, starts eating by a fountain. She seems a little uh, sad. 
and Gigi comments that's going to get dark soon. So they, you know, they start wandering around. They approach this bakery and they look out this beautiful ocean view. And Gigi kind of comments like maybe we just need to find another town. But at that time, a woman runs out of the bakery uh, trying to yell to a woman in the distance with a baby carriage that the baby forgot its pacifier in the bakery. So Kiki offers to bring it to them, which she does. And the woman is amazed by her flying um, as but she just jumps off a ledge. Yeah, like, picture, right. Like you're just talking to this girl and you think the girl is going to just run down the street for you. But instead, she jumps off the ledge. So Kiki goes back to the bakery to bring the woman like a thank you letter from the other woman. Um, and so it's like this bakery is run by this woman who introduces herself as Osono in a moment um, and her husband who doesn't talk like the entire movie. I didn't realize that was her <laughs> husband until the very end. I also thought it was like a just a worker uh, yeah. the first time. And then Miranda was like, no, that's her husband. I'm like, that's oh, her okay. husband. Yeah. Gotta love it. Or one of Miranda's favorite characters in Ghibli, probably. It's he's up there. I mean, <laughs> he makes her that cute sign. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he like, yeah, he's just this quiet guy. He he shows off to Gigi. Yeah. Um, so Osono invites Kiki to have tea with her. Kiki comments that the people here don't seem to like witches, but you know, she assures her that not everyone is like that and offers to let Kiki stay in her attic. And so Kiki, um, so excited to to have a place to stay, um, you know, lies awake at night um, and tells Gigi that she's planning on staying. I do uh, have, go ahead. Sorry, I, I do have one other difference between the English English translation and the English dub. Um, the woman with the baby with the pacifier gives Kiki a note that she brings back to Osono, which is kind of why Kiki comes back at all, and. In the dub, the the woman writes like your new delivery girl is great, something like that. Where in the English translation, it didn't mention any, it didn't call her a delivery girl. And I wonder if I it's such a small thing that probably doesn't really mean anything, but like it almost could serve as the the spark in Osono's mind of like, actually, yeah, like this would be great for her be my delivery girl. Um Having but yeah, only... it's pretty inconsequential. Well, no, I don't think so. Because having only seen the English version, that's what I assumed. Yeah. I assumed that that phrasing on the note was kind of the spark that, like, got her to think of Kiki as a delivery person that got the whole ball rolling. So I think it's interesting that that's not in the original Japanese. Yeah, yeah, that it's like as if it takes until the next day for Asono to even think of it. Like, she's just like, oh, like, you need a place to stay? Like, stay. And there's no thought of, like... Hmm the reciprocation quite yet hmm. which i don't know maybe there is there is a different maybe that's like a difference between american culture and japanese culture i'd be interested that, like, to have that perspective well yeah. i was yeah. thinking in terms of american and japanese culture i was like this is very japanese because if this were america that woman would not have written a thank you note and sent it back <laughs> well, that's for true. sure oh like God, never. No. Ne- never not in a million years yeah and that woman's <laughs> name would be karen yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> But could you anyhow. could you tell by now that Osono is pregnant? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't um, the first time. I couldn't tell if it was like supposed to be like jolly overweight woman or pre- like pregnant woman. It was just the shape of her belly. I think. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Singularly round. Yeah. Yeah. But the next morning, uh, I have in my notes. This is really judgmental of me, and <laughs> it craves witch lore. <laughs> Since she doesn't have any other skills, 
Kiki decides to start a flying delivery service. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man but that's true that's just the way reality is sometimes but i mean if we look at the silver lining version of that she identifies what she can do which is fly and she's gonna build her you know skill set around that how do you feel if kiki judged you aaron she listen she can judge me all day long if she wants (laughs) that's fine okay you know what maybe i'm taking um this like i'm like analyzing myself too much of like how much has kiki affected me but like that's kind of how I decided on my major in college was like, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I want, but I, I like reading and I'm not even like, I wasn't good at literary analysis, like in high school, like I actually pretty struggled, but I just did it anyway. Cause that's what I like doing. Um, so yeah, I just think it's just the way it is. Sometimes you're just barely good at something, but you enjoy it enough and you get better or, you know, you make do. And now I'm an editor somehow. Yeah. You know, I, go. you know, I got a D in English in freshman year. That was rough. Oh, no. Yeah, but who counts freshman year? Come on. Yeah. yeah. They did not prepare you from middle school to high no. school to write literary analysis papers. No. Yeah. So uh, with this new delivery service she's going to start, um, she is going to use Asano's bakery, um, both the bakery building and their phone as kind of the base of her operations. Um, Osono cuts her a deal um, where that will be possible if Kiki helps around the shop, if she helps mine the shop, helps clean the shop, things like that. Um, so they're able to make this deal. So essentially, um, if we're talking about this movie, like James has been mentioning, this is like, you know, in a lot of ways thematically about growing up, right? This is like Kiki renting her first apartment, right? Like this is you meeting your first landlord and getting your first place. Um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So Kiki and Gigi go shopping. And again, very relatable thing. They are basically broke, right? They're just buying like the normal stuff they need. Living paycheck to paycheck. They are living paycheck to paycheck. So again, super relatable. Everything is way more expensive than Kiki thought. Yeah. Uh, James and I were wondering like when she's like, we'll just be eating pancakes. And we're like, what are are the bags filled with then? If like all you have is pancake mix or like basic materials i mean i'm pretty so sure you they, can buy like apples for over. less than pancake mix she does have an apple because it falls out of the bag when it yeah. tips over so aaron like to your point earlier we're like it's nice that we see the bag tip over it was like answering our question immediately because we're like what is in that bag but, yeah, I'm like but what is okay it? there's there's an apple there was like oh man cleaning was, supplies like, probably yeah. right because she cleans the place up probably she at least said she probably like she definitely buys herself milk the frying pan and she must buy the utensils for herself yeah but yeah i assumed i always assumed she borrowed cleaning stuff from osono but i, I mean they were in a bakery come on yeah uh so the boy from before tombo uh he pulls up to kiki in a car with some friends and again they're being like kind of obnoxious and it's kind of embarrassing to kiki although i don't think that's their intention like tombo's intention um like doesn't ever feel malicious to me it just feels a little like kind of clueless and like teen boy. I'm embarrassing this girl and I don't quite get it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the vibe I get from him. Um, so she's embarrassed and angry. And when she gets home, uh, Asano tells her that she has her first customer. A woman wants Kiki to deliver a birthday present to her nephew. Um, it's a toy cat that for some reason looks exactly like Gigi. For, for plot reasons. For plot literally for plot reasons. Is that a Deus Ex cat toy? Deus Ex Gigi? Not really. Yeah, Deus Ex Gigi. Not, or, uh, maybe not really. Even more confusingly, Chekhov's this cat, gun. 
Chekhov's toy cat. Yeah. Uh, Even more confusingly, it's in a birdcage. I think it's because they, because like later when she gives it, when she delivers it, the boy puts the bird in that cage. Maybe like she was also giving the boy a bigger bird cage for his bird. Maybe. Maybe. I guess. It's just kind of weird. It's random. It's very random. It's super random. And it reminds me when I was little at Six Flags, there was this Tweety bird in a cage. Like it was one of the toys you can get at a thing. And I wanted it so bad. I was such a, I think like a, like such a crybaby about it, but we got it. My dad somehow, I think got it. I think it was my dad who like got it for me. But I remember I like, I cried and I cried until we got it. (laughs) And it might Uh, have been because of Kiki's for all I know. So Kiki is flying high, high, high up to compare on the map um, where she's going to the house that she has to stop at. I love that this is like her GPS. She just like flies yeah. super high over the city, looks at a giant map and is like, oh, it's <laughs> over there, I guess. Yeah. It's so charming. It, it's, I mean, Less it's charming what, if she had a smartphone. I but it's what a kid it. would do, right? Like it's what a kid yeah. would totally. probably do. Yeah. Totally. It makes um, it timeless. So, yeah. It does make it timeless. So she encounters a flock of wild geese um, while she's flying. And here we learn that Gigi has the ability to communicate with other animals, apparently. Again, witch lore. What else can he do? I don't know. Um, uh, An observation I made, and maybe I'm looking way too into it. um, The geese are flying in a V. She flies in the back position to even out the V. And I kind of think that that could potentially be like symbolic for her joining the rest of society. Like oh, kind of joining like the rest of the world, but I maybe not. I think I think it was that part of the movie last night, or when no, that was the last night we watched it. Whatever the other night, where I first thought about how this movie also is a theme of just community and creating communities and mm-hmm. the help that you can get from community or this yeah the struggle of building one. Yeah, community. or maybe I thought of that when the rate when we the the crows happen in a bit. But mm-hmm. anyway, go on. I mean, it would make sense thematically because this is her first job. Like, she's going out on her first job. She encounters them and joins them, right? Yeah. Anyhow, Gigi communicates with them, and they try and tell her that, hey, there's going to be this big gust of wind. You got to be careful. Um, However, both the geese and Kiki don't listen to the geese's advice because the geese get blown away, and so does Kiki. The geese somehow are fine, though, um, where Kiki gets blown down into the woods. She gets sent tumbling into the trees. So she crashes and finds herself in a crow's nest. Um, There are many, many crows in this area, and they all freak out because the crows think that Kiki is trying to steal their eggs. Um, So Kiki uh, tries to get away. Um, She has the toy with her. But Gigi tells her that, unfortunately, the toy inside the cage fell out. And so all she has with her now is the cage. And Gigi. And Gigi. Wow. What could could happen? Yeah. (laughs) So she tries to go back. Gigi says, hey, maybe we can go back when it's dark. And she's like, no, no, no. There's not enough time. I have to deliver this by by sundown or whatever. Also, the mechanics of this delivery are very amusing to me. Yeah. Because she's like, you got it, you got to get it to my nephew. And it's like, <laughs> it's so far away. Yeah. It seems like it would have taken days to get there normally. And then yeah. later she gets an attitude about like, you're late. Like my, my yeah. sister called and where were you? And I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, I think she's, she's, she's for five minutes. She's less snooty about that in the Japanese one, I think. Okay. She but anyway. a little more concerned. But yeah, the timing yeah. of all of this is interesting. Yeah, there's some, we'll, we'll get to it later, but there are other timing things here where I'm like, the time management 
if this world is very strange to me. Yeah, um, I don't know how much time has passed to be. I no. think it's does me, it I seem, don't know. Like, does it seem like it could possibly have taken her like a literal day to get out to the countryside to visit Ursula later? Yes. <laughs> seems, no, I, yeah, I do think it's like a whole trip. Yeah. Anyway. Anyhow. Um, so Kiki has to cook up some kind of plan in the interim. So she decides to have Gigi imitate the toy because, again, they look exactly the same while Kiki goes back to find the real thing. So she delivers the toy. Um, much to uh, Gigi's chagrin, there is a dog named Jeff. I love that the dog's name is just Jeff. <laughs> um, and the dog takes a large interest in Gigi. Um, so the dog loves Gigi. The actual kid that he gives it to really doesn't care about the toy. And as James mentioned earlier, wants to keep his canary in there. So um, Kiki flies back and finds the toy in the window of a cabin in the woods. However, the toy is broken. Now, again, time passing doesn't make sense here because the woman in the cabin, her name is Ursula. I don't think we find that out now. We don't that's find her name. That now. Yeah. So she agrees to fix the toy in exchange for Kiki doing work around her house. So Kiki scrubs her floors while Ursula patches up the Gigi-looking cat toy. Which Miranda uh, correctly um, commented that that is an unfair exchange. I think it's super unfair. And then Kiki's even like, I didn't finish everything I was supposed to do. Well, like there were more the things? By hand. Yeah. What the fuck? Um, but, uh, yeah, so what I find interesting is that Ursula says, like, well, I really like this little guy. I guess I'll give him to you. And it's like, you found him an hour ago, but whatever. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> Kiki, Kiki returns with a toy, and, uh, at the same time, Jeff brings out Gigi. Um, so they make an exchange. Yeah. The real Gigi goes with Kiki, Gigi and Kiki. Um, and the fake toy goes with Jeff back inside. So her first delivery completed. She returns back to the shop where Osano's husband has made a sign for her called Kiki's Delivery Service Made from Bread. It's very, very cute. It's so sweet in the way he paces and then yeah. pretends like he wasn't pacing. Yeah. So sweet. So the next day, Kiki is waiting at the bakery, very bored, no customers at all. And she eventually gets a call for a delivery and Tombo walks in. She kind of pretends to ignore him and is being like super serious. And I don't know. I don't, I don't, I feel like she's being too hard on him, but I don't know. Am I being too harsh on her? Yeah. Okay. Well, again, like, why does I, she have to be friends with him? No, no, no. It's not that. It's the way that she's, she's like, huh? No. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like she, it's okay. I mean, I it's a the minor impression thing. that she like disliked him. I more got the impression that again, like she was still embarrassed from the couple oh, other encounters I, with yeah. him. I feel like she's just like, you're a, just a nuisance, and I don't want you anywhere in my life right now. Like you're just an annoying kid, and I don't want to have anything to do with you. So maybe I just feel I se second you, secondhand uh, embarrassment for Tombo. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you relate to Tombo, and you're like, I'm. Why, why doesn't she like him? Yeah, He's being I don't know. sweet and funny. But he, he invites her to a party. Speaking of being sweet, it's like it's called a flying club. Uh, and he has, as you mentioned earlier, addresses it to Miss Witch. And at that time, a man arrives with a very heavy package to deliver. And Kiki's very nervous at the same time about like what she's going to wear to Tombo's party, which I was expecting her to absolutely not want to go to it. So it's interesting. Yeah, I just don't think it like her reaction to Tombo and then her agreeing to go to the party don't seem to line up to me. And that's one of the it's a minor nitpick. 
Um, but Osono mentions that she looks great in what she's wearing. Um, so Kiki kind of scrambles uh, because the the day is late already and, and she doesn't have much time to do this delivery. And so she's flying. She's very distracted by how heavy the package is um, and, you know, heads to her. Uh, she delivers the heavy package and then heads to her next appointment. She gets invited by this very sweet old woman. I did not put her name down um, in my outline, I, so I don't recall what her name is. Um, Madam. They're just going to name Madam. Oh, okay. So she's making a pie for Kiki to deliver to her grandchild's party, but she says she can't finish it in time because the microwave won't work. There's a line that I made a note of called uh, that says, machines don't work when they're old like me. I like this a lot. This was another one of those like nuances of like the changing times and people like not wanting to, you know, maybe like adapting to technology and maybe how like growing older isn't always what it's like cut out to be in the changing world. Like just because something's new doesn't necessarily make it better. And in, the, in keeping with the yeah. idea of holding on to your former self and the way things were, um, Kiki will like offers to help her make the pie the old fashioned way by getting some firewood for a wood oven. Um, I also love how this other old woman that's st- that's living with the madam with madam uh, takes Kiki's broom and pretends to ride it and like clearly is like uh... yeah. Like, <laughs> do clearly... we do we remember what the actual pie was? Uh, oh, shoot, herring, herring and, pumpkin. and pumpkin. Yes, herring and pumpkin, which, which sounds. Like, that's... Repulsive. What do you think those that black balls disgusting. are? Disgusting. Uh, herring eyeballs. <laughs> I don't know. Are they? I was like, I was wondering if they're supposed to be like olives or with like raisins. It might be, but either way, it does sound disgusting. Probably olives. Yeah. But it looks so. Pr- if she can make me a fish crust, but like just put the pumpkin inside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the crust can be whatever <laughs> it wants. Yeah. Yeah. The the crust could be like a person getting their head chopped off with a guillotine, and I'll be like, I'll still eat that's, that pie. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. You better eat it. Um. Anyway. So um, they're making the pie. Uh, Gigi comments that this is gonna make her late for the party. Kiki doesn't seem to really care. Um, and as they wait for the pie to be done, Kiki offers to help with other chores because she just is. I mean, this time, at least she's offering sort of, I mean, like the, not being like forced into servitude in exchange for uh, like a minor thing. I don't know. This seems like a good exchange. And she's just very sweet. It's Kiki's idea anyway. I think it shows. Yeah, I think it shows her respect for like, exactly. her elders. Yeah. Or it kind of mimics, again, like what she did for Ursula, that maybe she is just very like, yeah, I'll do I'll do everything. I don't know. She volunteers to do a lot of cleaning. Yeah. So Kiki really is not worried about being late to the party. Um, and even because the, the madam uh, mentions it as well. But then she also tells her that her clock runs slow. So Kiki is actually going to be late for this party. So Kiki's like the pie is finished. The Kiki scrambles to deliver it and make the party on time. Um, and so she, you know, as she's going to deliver the pie, the weather isn't very good. It starts to pour rain. And Kiki gets soaked on her way there, is like trying her hardest to keep the pie warm. She's trying so hard. And at that time, like Tombo arrives to the bakery at 6 p.m. in this like cute, adorable suit, looking for Kiki. He's just like, like almost like he's taking her to the prom. And meanwhile, Kiki's delivering that pie, and this son of a bitch, this bratty ass grandchild, when she delivers it, comments so rudely on how she hates her grandma's pies. And how she like cannot believe that her, she made one, and this like just broke my heart. I think it breaks Kiki's spirit a little. It does. It has to, right? It does. Yeah. Is Aaron? Do you? Uh, what about fan fiction where at this moment Kiki snaps that one that child's neck? 
Oh, how about this? Maybe Kiki uses magic spell. <laughs> maybe could yes. Kiki do that? <laughs> no, no. A flying she gives spell. That girl maybe diarrhea to ruin yeah. the party. Oh that, my god, that doesn't great. seem like a complicated spell. Like I feel like Kiki could pull off no. a diarrhea spell. Yeah, or yeah. maybe like um, or you know, a flying spell as a Wingardium Leviosa. There you go. That's all she can do. She can fly herself and make objects fly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So she Airway. makes her like dress come up or something to show her embarrassing underwear. Guaranteed if she cast spells and all of them were flying related, Aaron would just still be so upset. <laughs> no, I can handle it. At least they'd be spells. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, so Kiki flies home in the rain looking very upset and just kind of like exhausted. So she arrives and sees Tamba walking away. She doesn't go to him. Uh, her clothes are wet and she just kind of like goes to bed um, with her clothes drying. Yeah, misses, misses the party. The girl so broke that... her spirit because I don't. I don't see it. Like she already knew that it was raining. She seems still determined, but it was once that girl just was so mean about Madam's pie. Yeah. Well, and Gigi even tells her like, "Look, he's still there. Like, go catch him." And Gigi says like, "No." Or I'm sorry, Kiki, Kiki, Gigi, Kiki, Gigi. <laughs> um, Kiki, Kiki uh, says, "No, my clothes are wet anyway." So she's not even going to try and tell him she can't make it. Yeah. But the next morning, um, Osono comes to check on Kiki because she sees Gigi kind of upset in the window. Gigi is like tapping at the window, trying to get her attention. Um, Kiki is has a fever. She's buried under her blankets. She's not feeling well, presumably because of being out in the rain. So Osono makes her and Gigi oatmeal. Um, do cats like oatmeal? Gigi seems to. So um, the thing, the observation I had about this, and I think I made this comment to Miranda as we were watching that. So Kiki comments about whether or not she's going to die. And yes. that made me wonder if she's ever had a cold before. Because like if her mom makes potions and stuff, maybe she's never been sick. But oh. I don't know. I, if she had truly never been sick before, I feel like maybe she would have reacted differently. Like this would have been a, such a strange and foreign feeling to her, but I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah, that's know. interesting. Well, also it's, too it's very interesting. Whether or not her mother made potions for her, her mother was there with her to comfort her, and Asano isn't her mother, but it's like the closest proxy she has. Yeah. So like she yeah. needs some kind of comfort from her, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a childlike vulnerability. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. trying to be adult, and the sickness broke her down a little bit. Um, back to your question about oatmeal. She, my cat would probably eat oatmeal if it had enough milk in it, in it, if it was made with milk. But I once let her smell oat milk, and she was like, that's not milk, and she didn't mm-hmm. want it. Well, here's the thing. When they make hot chocolate, when Asano makes her hot chocolate earlier, she uses water and not milk. And if you make hot chocolate with water, you're a monster. You have oh. to use milk to make hot <laughs> I chocolate. That, I thought that was tea. In the English, I think that's one of the changes. In the English, it's hot chocolate. Oh, because they wanted I, I was reading something that said like they wanted Kiki to be more like childlike. So it was hot chocolate. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that difference when we were watching it the other night. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely cocoa in the English dub. OK. Yeah. And with water. Ugh. I did anyway, not notice that. Um, Asano tells Kiki that Tombo came by to see her and he wants to see her again. So even though she didn't go to the party, he still wants to be her friend. We get this cute moment where Gigi encounters a pretty lady cat uh, that we later find out is named <laughs> Lily. So some sparks, uh, some sparks fly there. 
Uh, actually, you know what? We can say all we want about kind of the Tombo Kiki. Is it a romance? Is it just a friendship? Yeah. But confirmed by the end of this movie, romance between Gigi and Lily. Oh, right. right. Without a that's, doubt. That's the love story. Gigi yeah. grows up. He becomes a man. Yeah. <laughs> a man and really and Gigi, like, probably a uses father. no protection. Obviously. How many, how many kids? There's proof. Have. There's proof. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much well, proof. James, they're not. That, that wasn't. <laughs> That's, that's a litter of cats yeah cats don't come cats don't come sequentially <laughs> they come in groups no well, no 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 does not reflect how many times they hooked up well no i meant i meant more like some of them are white and some of them are black and i thought that maybe all the litter you wouldn't have a mixture in the litter no oh, that's just me being mixtures. an idiot okay. uh, it's also just a cartoon thing okay but i'm pretty sure mixtures happen got it yeah. no he- i wasn't thinking they like just had sex five times within the span of like three months and then or like no 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 i i thought it was like six fraternal twins i thought it was like multiple sets like two sets one with the black cats one with the white cats but ever never mind i'm an idiot i'm gonna edit this out i don't want any evidence that i'm stupid on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) uh if you edited out any evidence that i was stupid on this podcast we couldn't release episodes oh i (laughs) I edit out all your dialogue. It's just me talking to myself. And then and then I get embarrassed. And so then I edit out myself too. And so that ends up just being three hours of silence. Yeah. Like, or, or, when, or when we have yeah. guests, the guests responding apropos of nothing. Yeah. It's good. This just episode's going to be our intro music, our in, like our intro, our introduction, introducing Miranda, and then just Miranda talking to nobody for And yes, just giggling randomly. Yeah. But anyway, um, Asano asked Kiki to deliver a package to someone named Kapori, and she asked that Kiki do it in person. Now, here's my question. How else could Kiki deliver things if not in person? Because she is the delivery yeah. service. I mean, She's I guess... just stressing, don't drop it off. Yeah. I guess. Or yeah, and don't, maybe, maybe the, it was meant to say, like, don't fly there. Maybe, but then why not say no, that? No, no. Oh, no, no, you're right. It, it wouldn't be that, yeah. Anyway. So um, this all turns out to be a setup. Asano is kind of like gently nudging her to meet up with Tombo because Kapori is Tombo. Um, I don't know, like, is that his name? Is Tombo a nickname? Like, I'm uh, guessing. I'm gonna guess last name, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I always assumed it was last name or Tombo's okay. nickname. Yeah. Um, you're right. Can we do? Can we do dumb name corner? And can we just agree that some of the names in this movie are dumb? I don't think Tombo's dumb. I think Osono it... and Tombo. Oh, I, I don't, like Osono. I thought you were going to say Ursula. I've never I don't, been a fan but of... But Ursula's a real name. I, I don't... I, Ursula is my... also The one that I like the least, too. I like Osono and Tombo. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Well, name I corner I don't know Japanese I, I, yeah, names very well. Aggressive consonant of... corner for Aaron. Tombo. Joe's Kiki. Tombo. Tombo. Bo. You don't like... I don't know. Tombo. But you don't let me call you Jimbo, so I don't... I'm surprised you like Tombo. Uh, because this is a cartoon character and he's a dumb boy and I'm a man and Jimbo's a stupid <laughs> Jimbo is and always has been a stupid dumb nickname sorry for anyone listening who goes by that nickname but you should stop <laughs> you should grow up and learn how to fly speaking of flying perfect segue um, Tombo has an engine to a man propelled plane so what this looks like is essentially a bicycle with a plane propeller on the front um, he is planning to build a larger flying machine that he'll power with this bike. Um, but for right now, it's it's just the bike and the propeller. Uh, he wants to take her to see a dirigible. 
right? Is that dirigible? Dirigible. Yeah. A dirigible, which is a blimp. I had not heard that word for a blimp before, but apparently that's a real word, dirigible. Mm-hmm. So they almost crash, um, but not before the bike briefly starts flying. They sort of dodge out of the way out of a car that's zooming at them. They hop up on the bike and the bike is able to stay airborne for a few seconds. Um, however, they do crash um, and the propeller goes flying off and who knows, maybe kills several people. Um, because that's incredibly <laughs> dangerous. Like incredibly dangerous. So up high. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love this line from Tombo. Was it your magic that made us stay up? And Kiki says, sure, anything's possible. But here's the answer. No, it's not. Because you don't have magic, Kiki. I know you really wanted them to crash and like Tombo to have an absolutely that. shattered arm and then <laughs> Kiki like do a spell to repair his bones. That's all I want. No, but if anything, like if I were Kiki, I would have used this opportunity to say, not sure anything's possible, like giving myself credit. I would have been like, no, Tombo, it was your amazing inventive flying machine. Great job on that, buddy. But no, she kind of subtly is like, maybe it was me. Yeah, except it wasn't. Except it probably was her. No, I think it was her. Yeah, oh, maybe. Anyhow, so Kiki and Tombo have a chat on the beach. Um, and Kiki tells Tombo that she's been flying with her mom since she was a little girl. Tombo's jealous because he wishes he could fly. It's kind of his big dream. Um, but Kiki tells him that now, because it's part of her job, flying isn't as fun anymore. Um, which anyone who starts engaging with a hobby or something that they really love in a professional way um, can relate to that, right? Yeah, once you start doing something, so. for, once you start doing something for money, it stops losing the appeal it had when you were doing it for nothing. Yep. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, definitely like a growing up thing for sure. Yeah. So I'll never put anything on Etsy. That's smart. Yeah. What you um, tell, are you telling my wife to give up on her dreams and not, not no, try to? No, I know it's not a dream. He's supporting my lack of a dream. Yeah, like, I want your wife. She's like, I'm never going to put anything on Etsy. And Aaron's like, Yeah, you definitely shouldn't because no, it, no. it won't sell. No, I mean, keep those those <laughs> beautiful kidding. things for just yeah. you. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's like I, it's like I, I don't love when people tell me what to paint or draw. It's like, no, I want to do what I want to do when I feel like doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Not like, I want to fly when I want to fly. Not when people tell me to deliver things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the snobby girls from the birthday party roll up and they tell Tombo that they are going to be taking a tour of the blimp. Tombo invites Kiki, but she doesn't want to go and she gets kind of upset. Now, yeah. I understand that it's probably because Kiki is embarrassed again and the girls were the girls that were mean to her before and from the birthday party were very snobby and rude to her. I understand all that. But Kiki does herself no favors by not explaining this to Tombo and yes. just marching off. I, I don't yeah. like it's a, a huge pet peeve of mine in, in movies when people are mad at other people and all and you could solve so many of the pr- like problems later. This isn't as extreme an example of this, but you could solve a lot of problems by just explaining why you're mad. Yes. In yeah. that moment. And it caught and it like and then usually in a lot of these. So she doesn't know. She later tells Gigi she kind of doesn't really realize. Right. No, and that's why this isn't as big of an example of it. But she, I don't think she says anything. She doesn't even say, like, I'm upset or, like, I'm going through something. Like, she says nothing to him. Yeah. Like, and, and yeah, it, it, that. And that he just takes me. it. Yeah. I yeah. do think watching it the last time, I thought it was like a series of events. If she opened up, then they got interrupted by people she's embarrassed or she's intimidated by. And they were like, Tombo, come over here. And they kind of like 
didn't invite her to come either and he does say like can you wait here for a second and he doesn't like just bring her with but then he quickly invites her so I yeah think, i think like net he's a net positive but i do think there were like these things yeah. where she just immediately felt like an outsider he doesn't navigate doesn't it very well it. Yeah, yeah he's not as sensitive but it's like but it's so like fine. it's minor yeah it's totally yeah. Yeah. it's very excusable yeah yeah which is yeah. why he's not like we're not like ah, cancel tombo like we're just like <laughs> kind of get that like it, it you know maybe that's why she's she 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 is angry unfairly yeah. angry at him for sure mm-hmm. so she walks all the way home like all the way and she arrives back home seems very depressed uh gg walks in and notably all we hear are meows now gg is not talking and Kiki says she thinks there's something wrong with her she doesn't really make much notice of the meowing i think she just thinks gg's meowing um you know she's like says i can't, I make friends but then i can't be, be bear to be with them i would argue that she hasn't had enough of a recent example of that i mean she yes she went and had fun with tombo and then she was like i want to get the hell out of there but it's not like that's a trend it seems to be just applicable to tombo but anyway just people it, her own age okay yeah which i think is a sign of puberty hmm okay um so Gigi leaves to go hang out with lily because you know Jason, I, I was, I don't know. I was going to say something gross, but never mind. Jason, that puss. Because <laughs> she's a pussy cat. She's a kitty cat. <laughs> I wasn't actually going to say that, but that's actually much better. So thank yeah. you for that. Um, so we next see Kiki bored, you know, waiting at the, waiting at the, the bakery again, then eating dinner. Um, Kiki, you know, at first thinking Gigi was just talking like a cat for fun, now realizes that she cannot understand Gigi. And immediately grabs her broom and realizes that she is also losing her ability to fly. So she kind of runs outside down a hill, trying to take off, but can't. Breaks her bro- and breaks her broom trying and doesn't cry. Um, yeah, I would have cried. Shocking. Also, like this, that hill looked steep. Like she, like I'm shocked she didn't eat shit like multiple different times. I mean, she kind of did. Well, one time. She felt like, hard. Yeah. As fast as she was running down a steep hill, I'm sh- surprised. Anyway minor things but so kiki t- tells osono that she lost her powers and that she has to suspend her delivery business and osono's husband runs outside to see the flying dirigible uh and kiki sees tombo on board and the, and the on the dirigible in the distance and he's like waving to her and she kind of just like ignores it so we next see tombo at home calling kiki asking if you know as excitedly as he always is like could you see me waving at you from the dirigible and she tells tombo <laughs> to leave her alone uh yikes poor tombo i know she's so hard and he just, he doesn't get it. Like, he's just like, oh, I can't really hear you. Yeah. <laughs> she hangs <laughs> up on him, but he, yeah. like, she gives him so little. He never gives up. Yeah. Um, so she goes upstairs to try to make another broom. And later, uh, I think it's the next day, Ursula visits Kiki in town and invites Kiki to come to stay with her for a bit in the countryside or in the forest, really. And so Ursula tells Kiki that she can tell that Kiki's down in the dumps. Um, and that this guy, like, Ursula kind of seems like has like seems to really understand more of what Kiki's going through like immediately. It, it seems like she's kind of like that that like older sister type to Kiki in that way. And especially in the next kind of scene where she like kind of counsels Kiki on life and navigating, you know, hardships and, and lack of confidence. Um, um, going along with the type of character she is. Um, I agree. She's definitely that kind of older sister character. The other thing, too, is. She's also very unique, like Kiki. 
Like she lives alone. Yeah. She's an artist. Like she's kind of outside society too. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I see lots. Right. Of it's almost as if like yeah. she's an al- she's an alternate for that. Like other than like Kiki having an older sister who also had done the whole go out and be a witch thing and has like now has the experience of doing it and can then tell Kiki like it's gonna be okay. That's yeah. kind of like the purpose that Ursula serves. Um. So Kiki has a lot of fun with her, like seeing the countryside. They, they eventually like hitchhike to Ursula's home. Um, and that which which point uh, Kiki apologizes to the crows from earlier. Second time she apologizes to animals. Very cute. And Kiki sees Ursula's painting. I did not describe the painting in the outline, but it is uh, it's wild. Oh, technically, it's the third time she's apologized to an animal because I think she oh. apologized to Lily when she's like, sorry to disturb, but Gigi, like, oh, you OK, come oh, or yeah, something? yeah I don't know. you're right. Yeah. He's very, um, very polite. Ursula tells Kiki that the girl in the painting is supposed to be Kiki and that she wants to finish painting her. So she does so. Um, and while Ursula is painting Kiki, she says that when she is struggling to paint, she would take breaks and then find the ability to do it again and kind of advises Kiki to do the same. Um, and then later that night, they get into a little bit more of an in-depth conversation about it. And Ursula talks about how she felt like she couldn't paint for a while. And at first, she, she thought it was maybe because she was just in- imitating other artists And then once she started to find her own artistic voice and discover what painting means to her, she found that she was able to paint again and kind of find joy in it. And I like that a lot. Um, You know, like as we get older, sometimes we try to, we see other people's successes and talents and we think that we want to like emulate them in order to achieve that similar kind of success ourselves. But then sometimes it's just only by decoupling ourselves from that type of like ambition. Can we kind of really find our own true, like unique ambition? Um, So yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I do want to quickly say uh, during a stretch of time when I hadn't watched the movie for a bit and then I started being on Tumblr or Pinterest whatever and there'd be posts that are like oh man this movie's like people analyzing it and talking about how like it speaks to them as like with Arter's Block and Burnout and all that and it and I was like oh wow I never thought of that like as a kid and then re-watching the movie at some point after seeing those hosts, I'm like, it's pretty on the nose. Like those posts yeah. that were talking about it <laughs> talked as if it was like like through analysis they got there. The way right. like your analysis earlier, James, was like so great, but not it's there, but it's not like they have straightforward conversations about how artists block artists that they even say like baking is the same way if it's it's an art, it's an art form. Yeah, gift um, from God that sometimes <laughs> you suffer for, which seems maybe a little dramatic. Yeah, but, and whereas Aaron's just shaking his head during that part of the movie, like flying, all you're doing is flying, and you're suffering. Like, like Where are the spells, Kiki? Where yeah. are the spells? Where are the? You're being a real Grinch about this. I am being a Grinch about it. I, mean, I actually, yeah, I, I think these are valid. No, I, yeah, they are valid. It, it hasn't harmed my enjoyment, but you yeah. are right. I think it, it'd be so much more fun. It would, yeah. It would the truth of it could possibly more. just be that Miyazaki's like, I like flying. And someone was like, hey, should we yes. have her do a spell? And he's like, shut the fuck up. Get that guy out of here. Flying is enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Don't Latin this. Yeah. Know. So uh, Kiki gives Osono a call uh, who tells her that there has been another delivery re- request for her. It's the same woman from before. The woman that I guess we're just calling Madam. Uh, we don't know mm-hmm. her name. But it's the older lady with the microwave um, and the oven who baked the cake. Um, so Kiki goes to her house and she finds that she's baked a cake for Kiki with her name on it and her like kind of picture on it as thanks for the last delivery. It's the second Ooh. thing in this movie that is edible that looks like Kiki. Yes, it is actually. 
Um, and it's very sweet, but at the same time, I'm just like, but isn't shouldn't her thanks for doing the delivery be you pay her money? Not give her a pay. Well, why no, pay someone money she, when you can she make did so pay much? her? Before. She did. She, she yeah. She, did she pay paid her, her extra. Yeah. I just like the idea that she's like, thanks a lot. Here's a cake. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm. Yeah. Do you know how broke I am? Like just give me the money. Yeah. <laughs> um. So on TV, they're watching uh, a TV program. Um. I also love. We talked about kind of the timelessness of this, but I love kind of the anachronistic like hodgepodge of technologies. So they have like radios, they also have black and white TVs, but the cars are very much like look a step above Model T's. Microwaves so and the real old fashioned like yes. wood like wood ovens. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I I, I really like that about this world. I think it's James, what what did you didn't you tell me that the book was set in a certain decade? Uh I don't think so. All right, if I did, I, I did, don't I don't remember. So like I don't know if we said it in this podcast, but another difference between the English and the Japanese English translation is that like the girls in the beginning when before Kiki flies off from her hometown the oh, girls that, say something yeah. like oh like that doesn't sound like you'll have enough time to go to discos and I was like discos where in the English job they say like tell that to the boys that you'll be focusing on your training yeah um oh yeah I just so, commented because so this movie came out that, in 1989 that maybe it was like that's what you were saying. thinking okay. about discos or but the book was <laughs> written earlier so maybe you know even earlier in the, the 80s you know discos Okay, gotcha. So, yeah. But I mean, maybe discos do exist in this world. I don't know. Like we got a mix of all kinds of things. I don't know. Yeah. Anyhow, um, all that's to say they're watching TV. So they're watching black and white TV and they're following the blimps takeoff progress. However, something goes wrong. There's some kind of a disaster um, and the program gets cut off. So freak winds have torn the blimp from its moorings and have turned it completely on its head. So the blimp is essentially standing on from end to end, floating in the air. Yep. There's a group of men who are holding onto a rope to try and keep it from drifting away, but it is not working. Men and um, boys. Men and men and boys, <laughs> and one boy in particular being Tombo. Um, so Tombo gets carried away with the blimp along with the police car. Um, so Kiki sees this. She realizes she has to leave and go help. So running after the blimp, Kiki sees a man with a broom and borrows it. Now, this is not the, like, witch's broom, traditional broom. It's janitor's a, like, broom. janitor's, like, brush broom. Brush broom, yeah. Um, which is great. I love that, that it's, yeah. like, one of those and not a traditional witch's broom. Um, so after some concentration, she is able to fly. It's she very, like, anime-like. Like, it's, like, Goku concentrating his power for a yeah, her hair like flies up and, <laughs> i like, love she gets, like, when hair lifts up like her. that yeah. yeah it's so cool yeah. um that happens in princess mononoke too like um ashitaka's hair like goes all like that oh, at yeah. one point for like no reason and i still like yeah it. for like emotion sometimes yes. yeah yes anyway so after some concentration kiki is able to take off but not without some hiccups we mentioned earlier many times that kiki is not great at flying but one of the little um, detail things that I love is that they show her kind of like jumping off stuff as she's flying. Yes. She kind of does like bounce jumps, um, which it's, is cool. It's so cool. It's yeah. cool. And like in terms of realism, like if you weren't great at flying, that may be how you had to get some yeah. like, height. It's such a great yeah. detail. Yeah. That happens when she has the heavy package as well. Yes. Also yeah. with the heavy package. I, I also like with the heavy package, you can like see the weight of it like holding her yes. down as she's yeah. flying yeah yeah 
So anyway, uh, one small detail. I really don't love how much you see Kiki's underwear and her like we were, sequence. We made the same comment. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like I always it. felt weird about it. Um, yeah. Though I don't think like I don't think it's done in a creepy way. No, not at all. I just I think yeah, yeah maybe with like my sensibilities of like and being raised of like don't show your underwear like there's perfect yeah, it's around. in totoro too like and also like naked bath time also for like a little yeah kids. that's another that's just yeah but that's that's just such a difference between i think like my upbringing in particular i think, I think it's, it's just a, i think it's a cultural culture. i think it's a cultural thing too but anyhow um so the blimp crashes into a clock tower and again one one end kind of tips and lands on top of another building Tombo is still hanging on to the rope, um, but his position is precarious. He's slipping. He can't hang on. Kiki makes it over to him, but both her flying and her difficulties with flying and how he's swinging on the rope makes it really difficult for her to actually grab onto Tombo's hand. Something I love is the crowd starts chanting, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. Does that happen in the Japanese one? I can't remember. Yes, they say the same thing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, English translation version. So Tombo falls, but Kiki is able to catch him before he hits the ground. Another detail I love is after this happens, suddenly there's just confetti everywhere in the air (laughs) and everyone is excited, even though a blimp has just crashed into two buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like no one seems to care. Massive destruction to the town, just wedged between two buildings. Yeah. Yeah. But it Um, it just vibes. It's yeah. vibes. It's like celebration vibes. It's very like, much hey, so. The yeah. community has come together. This big, this big thing. Yeah. So as she's watching Kiki, Asano realizes she's going into labor. Um, <laughs> and that's when we find out that it's her husband. Because I think she's in the American or English dub. I think she says like, honey, like it's time. Or she says something to the effect of you're like, oh, that's yeah. her romantic partner. Yeah. Like, I yeah. didn't know that. I thought that was her employee. I don't think it's as clear either in the Japanese one until the end. And he doesn't like... I, like I looked, you can look up his name, but I don't think they say his name once. No, they don't. Yeah. So we get the credits. Um, and in the credits, <sighs> we get some not like within credits plot stuff, not post credits. But as the credits are rolling, we see Kiki flying with Tombo in his homemade plane bike. We must be in the future at some point because we've seen that Gigi has had his aforementioned kittens with Lily. And as we mentioned, there's some black, just like um, Gigi, and there's some white, like Lily. Very cute. Um, we see Kiki. Uh, Kiki's at the shop window looking at that fancy dress, the fancy shoe she wants to buy. But then she sees a little girl dressed just like her walking by, which is super cute and, like, plants the idea in her head, like, oh, maybe what yeah. I'm wearing is fine and cool and people like it. Yeah. I, also, I also like that we see Tombo mounting a sign for her delivery service. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, at, finally, it ends with Kiki's parents getting a letter from her. Um, she just explains that she's doing well. Her delivery service is a success, and she loves the city. Yeah, the, the end. end. Yeah, I'm gonna quickly say pregnancy and cats last about 65 days. If that helps, so you're saying it could have happened? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I know, no, just I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like get like how long has it been since she finally yeah. first wrote her parents, for instance. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, at least I don't know several months at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what works, Miranda? What works? Uh, it's all just so charming. 
it's all the themes we talked about are themes that are just you don't need to get as a child you can just enjoy there's this young witch um and you i mean you guys you guys you guys we've we've been saying it for a long like you just you can grow with this film and you can find different things you can enjoy different details um just the beauty it's just it's fun to watch it's so comforting i i love what you said that there's not a specific villain um that it's just her own insecurities that i think people deal with their whole lives which actually you probably already said um it's just so charming and i what i prefer working is Gigi talking to kiki again i i don't i like that Gigi doesn't talk to kiki again in the japanese one yeah well but I respect I respect what like the creator wanted, but but yeah. I, I I prefer the magic coming back. Yeah, fully. How, how about you, Aaron? Um, like Miranda mentioned, I'm gonna say the general level of Ghibli charm, um, the level of detail, the level of attention put into everything, the music. I love the bigger thematic kind of points the movie is making as we're talking about them. Um, you guys raised uh, ideas that I hadn't been thinking of, which I always appreciate. Um, yeah, I just, again, it has that very classic Ghibli charm. I don't think it's my favorite Ghibli movie, and I'll explain why when we get to what doesn't work. What okay. is your favorite Ghibli movie? Princess Mononoke. Um, <laughs> totally yeah. I, I just yeah I, I think so much of this this movie works for me and I feel like more things work every single time I, I watch it and it's in it's in that upper tier of Ghibli as I mentioned for me and it's not it's not my favorite but it's 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 up there and you really just like yeah like you know the everything that you guys said like the state the stakes being what they are and the, the, the story being about growing up and just kind of how charmingly delightful it is the the, the music the the animation it's just all just such a it's like a perfect marriage of all like my some of the things that i find best about ghibli like i feel like the two the ghibli stuff that i love is, is it falls in like the one of two camps it's like a, a like a quieter reflection on humanity that more like with like lo slightly lower stakes or just maybe more real slightly more realism despite the fact that this is a movie about witches um so well like I, I like i would put like kiki and like the wind rises almost in the same camp whereas then there's the other ones that are more like fantasy heavy like nausicaa and castle in the sky and princess mononoke that like that's the other camp of like the other side of ghibli that i just absolutely love and obviously the, the themes are like shared between the two so what what doesn't work for you miranda if anything um i guess what doesn't work for me is if we stick with the original that gg doesn't talk again um i think i've always been frustrated a bit with how harsh she is on tombo because I immediately love him. Um, but I don't know if I'd say that's not what doesn't work. These are just my tensions. But Aaron, you've really opened my eyes to how I I I I, I would enjoy some additional magic lore and just explanations. Just a of little the touch. Rules. Just a little dusting. Yeah, a I little wouldn't more yeah. magic. I wouldn't mind it, but it doesn't bother me at all. I, I do just feel like the whole the the witch stuff is like just kind of like nice window dressing. It's not it's just not intended to be a, such a heavy focus it's just it's it, it adds a little bit of like something for kids uh, aside from just like a woman leaving home like if it, you just took out the fact that she was a witch a lot of the movie would like not all of it but obviously some stuff would play out the same obviously the themes would be the same but like i like that it adds the witch element and the flying part and she's I a young she's, stuff, yeah. she's a young witch i mean you know flying might be the majority of what she's gonna be doing 
for a time. Yeah. I don't Apparently. know. Other, do other wanna, things could come later. I do want to extend more about, I, I do kind of wish there was more, a clear, I don't, I don't mean linear per se, but just a clear A plus B plus C kind of thing with like, why is she, why is she like Tombo or like, how does, when, when does she like, I want to see more of like why she wants to be friends with him or like, you know, I feel like she's all over the place with Tombo that I, I could be critical of that. Yeah. How about you, Aaron? Um, so kind of a few of the aforementioned things that I mentioned don't work, at least to me, I want a little more witchy stuff, but, um, you guys make good points, uh, as to, you know, why maybe it's not quite as needed, but the other main bugbear I have with this movie is, has to do with the ending. So, uh, I love her conversation with Ursula talking about artistry, talking about like artist block, writer's block, things like that. But then I feel like that doesn't connect to what happens at the end, saving Tombo. Like mm-hmm. she just saves Tombo because he's in trouble, and like I there's, do, I agree, there's danger. Yeah, it, yeah, so that's to true. To me, the the kind of the climax and the lesson that was to be taught right before that, they didn't connect in a satisfying way. Okay, I, that's, that's I actually do agree with you. I was I was thinking that this last watch of I I don't see how it equates or yeah, adds up. I think thematically, if that had all connected, because I think the movie built to that conversation with Ursula, and I think if it ended with a stronger ending tied together, that would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. At uh, best, I was thinking, is it just like a deadline? Yeah. For me, I think I'll just say GG. Or Phil Hartman is GG. Is really what doesn't work for me. I mean, <laughs> you guys all both made like good points about some of. I mean, I, I guess the you know the the Kiki Tombo thing that Miranda mentioned is, is something I don't really care about the magic element of it, but yeah, I really, um, this is like a five-star movie to me now. I like bumped it up a full star for my last watch. Like I really That's find awesome. so much like to love about this and almost nothing to dislike. And I do, you know, I, I'm sure I'll watch this with you, Miranda in, in English, but I'll always prefer the Japanese one um, at a minimum just for the, for the Phil Hartman part. Uh, not so may i ask because i phil hartman does not work to me either uh in the role yeah. is it the voice is it the changes they made to what he says it's both between the it's, versions? it's, it's okay. all it, it's the it's the kind of like nah, like yeah. nature of Gigi, which i don't like i want Gigi to just kind of be this like cute companion cat um that says some wise things maybe or just make some good observations but i don't like the the kind of like I don't know. Yeah, nasally, the, the, the like, nasally cynical yeah. cat. It just doesn't work for me at all. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the there are some, I, I think I, there might be some line differences, but that's not something that I paid attention to. It's it's just Phil Hartman's voice and um, just the tone of Gigi, I think is totally different. It doesn't work for me. Similarly mm-hmm. to how I feel that Morgana the cat in the Persona 5, um, it's like, it's like a bossy, boy cats and i think it would have worked better if it was like a really smart girl cat i just i i i'm really intrigued with the i don't know what to call it the tradition of female voice actors voicing boy cats i mean in japanese or, or just movies boys in general or boys in general that i just i think if i were if i saw that kiki's in japanese with like subtitles as a little girl i'd be i would be like that's a girl cat now like i I would have a real hard time understanding Hmm. the voice differences and i'm just intrigued by like kids 
in Japan must not deal with that, that I'm just dumber. You're not dumb. Dumber than them. No, no, fine. Uh, Let's explore the world of the movie. So, Aaron, for you, how does this work as a video game? Uh, Crazy taxi style game, making deliveries. I, you know, I with with fly, obviously flying. Again. I was trying to think of I like I, it's like that was not the tip of my tongue, and I couldn't think of it. I I I had one guess is like I was like maybe Paperboy, like a Paperboy alike, like the classic arcade because oh, yeah. this movie came oh, yeah. out in 1989, so like an NES style. But I I like my cool. I, I like something better than Paperboy. But Crazy Taxi is perfect. Yeah, yeah. For me, I I you know this screams life sim. Right, like cozy town, yeah. make yeah. deliveries, bake bread, go visit Ursula to do tasks out in the forest. Not like scrubbing her floors, but like you know, go out and like fish or or something. Yeah. Um, you know, find her like build things stuff with to Tombo. Paint supplies. Yeah, we've uh we've never done this before, James. But can I suggest something big and bold? Is it a new segment? It's not a new segment. It's just um a slight tweak to this one. Sure. So because Ghibli movies are very, you know, like quaint and they're very cozy and this one more quaint and more cozy than most Ghibli films, I would argue, or a lot of other Ghibli films. Yeah. Um, what if instead of a video game, this was a board game, like a cozy board game to sit around a table with your Ooh. friends and play? This would work as a board game. Don't you think? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's like a resource based board game. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have to make deliveries and like you have a certain amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Like you have to get around the board or different spots on the board. Are you offering to design it? The more that I talk about it, the more <laughs> that I kind of want to. Yes. Yeah. I always, incredible. I always picture you creating a, your own card game. Oh, I will someday. But I don't know what the theme is going to be. Maybe Kingdom Hearts. Because you love Kingdom Hearts so much. No. Anyway. Aaron's on. shaking his head. He just, yeah. there's a big face palm right there. Yeah. Um, Miranda, do you have any thoughts on video? I feel I figured you would want like the life sim. Game. Yeah, I never got farther than that. Yeah, it's just yeah, I just want to be cozy, mm-hmm. do my little tasks. Like that's how I play Stardew Valley. Is I just I like I just like watering my plants, feeding my animals, and doing some deliveries. Yeah. Um. Would we want to live in the world of the movie? I say absolutely without a yeah. doubt. Yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. this was another one of those times where and Aaron, you've you've been like you haven't gone off like on a completely different path in a while, I feel like. I was but it was one where I was worried that you're gonna be like, I don't want to live in a world where witches can't do magic. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually. Kind of the opposite. I am um, watching the movie. Uh, it made me like appreciate that. Like this is a world where witches, maybe not everyone like loves them or they're, but yeah. they're at least like accepted. And I'm like, okay, is this a world where like powerful women aren't being torn down and like persecuted <laughs> against and like maybe no yeah. conspiracy again? And I was like, that's cool that you don't often see media with witches where there aren't like some group of people after them because they're witches. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like, a great unanswerable yes. question. Like, does the patriarchy exist in the world of this film? I see no evidence that it does. No, it doesn't seem well, very white. To, I mean, it is very whitewashed. But I guess, okay, I guess that that element of the patriarchy, yes. But I, I appreciate that it's like a witch story where like witches aren't being burned and persecuted. You're right. Like you're allowed to be a witch in this world, and like you know, maybe not everyone's going to be your best friend, but yeah. there aren't going to be people like trying to set you on fire. It would be funny if this was like your transition yeah. to being like that. Said my fan fiction is the Salem witch trials with Kiki on trial. 
And she, <laughs> oh and she, get, and, no, but she gets to go free because she's, they're like, do magic. She's like, I can't, I have no magic. I'm just really good at flying. And they're like, wow. oh, you get to go free. Yeah. Any, anyway, that got dark. So <laughs> fan fiction, I, my observations with fan fiction are there is a disappointing lack of crossovers. Uh, obviously there was a predictable Harry Potter crossover, but I didn't even look at it because I just figured it would be predictable. Um, I I just made a couple like observations. There weren't any that like massively stood out to me. I'll just rattle off a couple um, just premises. Um, Kiki returning home to her parents to show them what she's learned. Kiki telling Tombo that her and the other witches all have to leave Japan and go to America, to which I say, why? It's not very clear. Also, I don't think they were in Japan. I don't yeah. think they were either. Uh, one, Kiki gets older and has a daughter who she's helping train as a witch. That's and then this was the weirdest one. Older Kiki has a drinking problem. <laughs> wow. Probably because she can't use magic. And she's <laughs> bummed about it. Maybe their her drinking problem is that she's just drinking potions all the time. Yeah. I don't know. What uh, so what do you find, Aaron? Um so I found one. So I found a lot of them like kind of fall under the categories you kind of mentioned. There's there's a lot of like sequel stories, there's a lot of like Kiki's daughter that she trains, different stuff like that. I found this one. It's called Fly by Spadeheart. Okay. I'm just going to read excerpts from it. Um, now, I'm always suspicious of poorly written fan fiction because I'm like, did someone write this badly on purpose to be funny? I don't think this I person feel like did. Usually it, they write it bad because they're they're bad. At because writing. they're not good writers. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a, a sample. <clears throat> chapter one. There's only one chapter. That nothing else is better. <laughs> of course. Aww. Of course, there's only one. Also, there's four reviews, which is interesting to me. How many of them did you write? <laughs> <laughs> All four. All four. Um, as I walk through the woods, I think about a movie I saw. It had a girl with a broomstick, and I wanted so bad to be her fly away. I wanted more than anything else. Every night I dream about it. Exclamation point. Um, so then it goes on to uh be about a girl who finds a broomstick. And she's able to fly. So flew toward my home. Then I saw smoke coming from my lane faster. I flew and I saw it. It was this. The one thing changed my life forever. I saw my house on fire. So her parents are dead in a fire. However, don't worry. Apparently, they wrote a note before they died in the fire that their neighbor gives to the main character. Dear Misha, if you're reading this, we must have passed on. But please do not despair. Be happy for us. Now we can live happily. All of our money will go to you. Do not cry. We will see you again soon. Love, mom and dad. Misha put down the note and stared at the burning house and ran as quickly as our lets could carry her. Fly. She shot up into the air higher and higher. And as she was tired from running, she closed her eyes. That's the end. <laughs> so we have someone who loves the movie Kiki's Delivery Service, finding a magical broom, flying home. Their house is on fire and their parents are dead. Their parents left them a letter giving them all of their money. <laughs> And telling them to enjoy their lives. But it's okay. Yeah. It's so weird. What is that? Interesting wish. Like, yeah, like it's like them working through some thoughts about truly. Yeah, Um, I think I think the author feels like they can only be free if their parents are dead. (laughs) I I think (laughs) what can you what are the are the reviews interesting? Are they like wow, beautiful stuff? Really Um, insightful. Um pull it up. It's got to be something funny. It kind of ends like it. There's, there's some. My my favorite promise. Hear the reviews. Yeah, I think this was an interesting idea. I feel for Misha now that her parents are dead. I think that becoming a witch will let her know her parents would have been proud. 
Now for the flaws. <laughs> you have great potential, but can I be honest? Your grammar is terrible. <laughs> um, first, the good stuff. The plot is promising and interesting. I'd like to see how do you develop Misha's character. There are some things you need to fix. I get that this fiction is older, but it's no excuse for bad grammar. I love when they're like the most horribly written stories and then people are just like, wow, masterpiece. Can't wait to see what you write next. And it's like, really? Really? Some glad someone's actually criticizing grammar. Have you seen Mary and the Witch's Flower? No. It's this story that feels very that that has like a similar animation look to Ghibli, but it it doesn't have like the same exact like moments of breathing, I think, with like but anyway, there's this girl and she wants something interesting to happen she's like bored her parents aren't there she's like with her aunt or her grandma or something or definitely a family member like an aunt and she like gets magic powers from like a like a from a special flower um I don't know there's something about this that like kind of like they kind of reminds me of that of like I wonder if that person who wrote this either likes it or like in my head I can believe that this this fan fiction you found is this like young person who grew up to write something better like Mary, which is flower. I, uh, last, last review. Um, I like this one. Okay. I usually only read stuff from Avatar, the last airbender. So this is a big change for me. Yes. <laughs> I have seen the movie. If you want, I can help bater your work. You let me know. Cause I'm really good when it comes to punctuation. If you'd rather <laughs> not, and you don't want my criticism, let me know. And I'll keep clear. Smiley emoji. I, That's I feel interesting. Like, Aaron, you're destined to do an entire podcast on, <laughs> on fan fiction. Like there's it is, an, an, it is a wondrous world, like that is just endless possibilities and things to talk about. It does. So, so that's what I found. What is your fan fiction, Aaron? Uh witch lore. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Like I here's okay. Actually, real uh fan fiction idea, including witch lore. I want the story of Kiki's mom training because if her talent is potions, I think you could do a lot of fun stuff with her, like brewing potions and being more of a traditional witch that way. Hmm. Okay. Nice. Um, mine. So I truly, I didn't start with Sonic the Hedgehog. I initially, I was just like, okay, so Kiki, like when I was thinking about how she just like runs and flies a little bit from place to place, I was like, who else does that? Oh, Knuckles and, and Rouge the Bat do when they were finding chaos emeralds and like pumpkin hill in the aquatic mine. And so I was like, Kiki, my fan fiction is Kiki. I was trying to be true to the kind of like nonsense you see on fan fiction websites, but like Kiki in competition with the cast of Sonic the Hedgehog. So she's competing with Knuckles and Rouge to find chaos emeralds. And she races with Sonic, who is a rival delivery service. And they're just okay. locked in a wow. fierce competitive battle. Does Tombo factor in? Um, yes, Tombo is going to try to use these like he's like he's like the wild uh, he's like the wily e. coyote to Sonic's Roadrunner, and he just tries to create these inventions that kill <laughs> kill Sonic. Or or is he like the is he like the tails like with a Mac? I guess he could also be that. You're right. Yeah. So, how about you, Miranda? I would like. Uh, I think there's there's a good potential for a very sweet romance book like chiclet romance of osono and her husband meeting Aww. and then starting this bakery together or however yeah. that got there i would also just love to see more 
of Ursula's life. I'm not sure exactly how. I just in some form of graphic novel I think would be cool. And then I also think there's like a romance novel potential with um the next door neighbor, um, who's the owner of Lily, who's the first delivery that Kiki did. Her name I am blanking on. Um, but I know she's like I think they say she's like a fashion designer or something, and I just think there might be some potential there. And like the romance novels that I read that I enjoy are like the ones that like it starts with one couple and then the next book it like plucks a, it plucks a couple characters from the other one and it like continues on. So I really would like to just like be around. And I think this is ironic that I didn't think of anything with magic involved. These are pretty straightforward. It shows where Aaron's priorities are. Where's the magic, everyone? I guess, where yeah, it's it? easy to ignore it. <laughs> well, that was Kiki's delivery service. It sure was. Aaron, Deliver have, me up some magic. <laughs> what have you been up to lately, Aaron? Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, I have been house-sitting for my parents, uh, which has been fine but boring. Um, I rewatched some Star Wars Rebels in preparation to watch Ahsoka. Mm, I saw the nice. first episode. Um, I like it so far. I've also been playing a lot of Disney Lorcana, which is the new Disney card game that came out. Have I convinced two to three coworkers to play it with me? Yes. Oh, do, I play ma- do I play matches Congrats. against myself at home? Yes. <laughs> While I was house sitting, I spent several nights so far just playing matches against myself all night. It's really fun and it's very charming and I feel like you two would really like it. So you should check it out. I can't promise. I, as I mentioned last episode, I can't promise you, Aaron. Fair or maybe, maybe not last episode, but yeah. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, um, pretty much that. What about you guys? Miranda? Um, I've been watching um, a lot of uh, Flea Market Flip. I just got into that again. Um, and Seinfeld, re-watching Seinfeld, re-watching Futurama constantly. But also the new season is out. So that's been fun to watch, see what they do. And James and I watched New Girl together. And that's really yeah. fun. Yeah, I haven't been playing anything for a bit. Because um, I've been, I didn't, I've been on a really good reading streak. Um, and also when James and I watch TV together, I've just been like scrolling through Etsy. Um, just what have fun. you been reading? Well, I mean, I, I know, but tell. tell oh. <laughs> um, this week I finished reading The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Um, last night I finished Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Moss for the first time. I've read the Court of Thorns and Roses and the Crescent City books, but I never read the Throne of Glass series. And I'm in this like little book club like very like little as in small amount of people with my sister and her coworker Christina, her coworker and friend, and um, so that's fun. We like text where we are, and we all finished um, at the, like very close together. So I can't wait to discuss it with them. And um, I want to today start reading this graphic novel called Witchlight by Jesse Sabarsky. So hopefully, I can get more magic in my life. I'm in a witch mood. Nice. <laughs> Um, for me, not a whole lot. Uh, I finished Final Fantasy 16. I thought it was good. I would say it's a solid B, Aaron, in terms okay. of like good to know. Yeah, um, worth <laughs> playing. I, I I do I do think. Um, I I picked back up Final Fantasy 5. I think I'm probably a little less than halfway through that game. Um, but it feels like I'm farther because I did some grinding to get a lot of to master a lot of job classes with certain people. How many job classes? do you feel like you have left to get or do you know i don't know i'm gonna guess anywhere from four to 
eight. Oh, okay. Somewhere. Okay. I I just got Ranger and Bard. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. So you got you got more color. Okay. Yeah. And uh I've been playing Quake 2 co-op with my brother. We finished the main campaign in the Quake 264 campaign. We just started Quake 1. Even we're going to dip back into Quake 2 as well. Um yeah. And that's pre- basically it. So with that, Miranda, thank you again so much for joining us and offering your thoughts on this incredible film. Yeah, thank you so much for letting me talk about it. I can This is really fun. And Miranda, even though the audience can't see, thank you for dressing the part. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, I usually wear all black, but yeah, I had to put on this red headband. Bow. Yeah. Red bow. Yeah. And Aaron, thank you for dressing like a cat. You can't see it, but I'm looking like a he's, cat right now. He's he's not. Um and and with that, um, as we always say when we sign off, see you in hell, Ben Mendelshin. God bless that man. <laughs>